The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the one and only Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Welcome, everyone! (laughs) Welcome, everyone, to Two Dudes, One Double Feature! (laughs) The show in which two dudes talk two films... And that is about it. I am Dude One. Richard. I am <laughs> that I am. Yeah. Which is Dude Two, Joe. <laughs> so it was written, so it will so it be sh- done. Will be done. They say it a different, bunch of different ways. Uh, it's, you know, as long as we get it close, I, I just think wanna, we should be fine. Guys, I just want to say, Richard's a trooper this week. So, <laughs> really, he is the MVP of this week's episode, just for putting up with my insane <laughs> suggestion. Um, if uh, I will say at the top, if I make any sort of joke that offends anybody, I apologize outright. <laughs> but no, it might happen inten- unintentionally. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we don't mean to be malice at all. We're just a couple of no. guys... Uh, Talking about, we are that what we are. <laughs> that we are. <laughs> I, it, it is worth noting, because we are talking about, I'm going to be respect. I'm going to be respectful. Mm-hmm. Be respectful. Sure. Because we are talking about a specific story in a very specific book. The books, Bible. Bu- well, I mean, this oh, books. We're gonna, well, like, we're, we'll, we'll a get, compendium of books. It's different. Like, listen, like, this is a big, it, yes. this is a big figure, and we'll get to that, but... More importantly, but well, at know least, yeah. the perspective that these opinions are going to hear comes from um, people. Like for me, I am I am an atheist. I'll fully admit, just at the top, just just so you know, going into this, and I'm due to agnostic. <laughs> so, just so you know, that's where we're coming. I I want to be respectful. Sure, that's what I'm. Gonna, I want to I want to I want to take the high ground and uh, stick my stick in the ground and. Be like, hey, this is where I'm coming from. Is it going to turn into a snake by any chance? I wasn't planning on it, but it would be pretty cool. I would be like, all right. As Um, long as it doesn't bite me or anything. Yeah, no. But anyways. That's a problem. (laughs) Welcome to the show, everybody. Um, This is our Easter episode, I guess. Technically, right? We were just just talking about this. Yeah, Easter Easter adjacent. Easter Passover episode, because we're going to get into more of of that stuff. Um, Yeah. You know, kind of. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so uh, for this episode, we are going to be talking about some some pretty epic pieces of cinema. And uh, before we get into any, any of those, any of those tales, if you will. Joey, how are you doing? You know what? 
Not terrible, actually. Uh, that's listen. That's good. <laughs> that's just great. Honestly, I'm gonna have a busy couple of weeks with uh, different things. Not to get into anything, but I feel like today was a pretty solid day. Um, the other day, I did a lot of podcast stuff. Um, which was nice. It's nice when I can actually get the time to work on stuff. So we got, so by this point you already have the RRR special presentation. That's up. You, yeah. you hopefully already listened to that. If not, definitely that was a fun it. one. It was a fun one for sure. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I do like that we can incorporate, you know, talk about more recent things. We have an avenue for that. Um, yeah. but you know, did that and, uh, I got a bunch of Blu-rays. Dude, I got to tell you all the discs that I've picked up in the last, like, four days. List um, it. All right. List so like, it. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish on 4K, which I'm very excited to see it because I've only seen it digitally. Have you put it on mm. yet on 4K? It, it's beautiful. I'm sure. I mean, I trust this. I, I trust Richard it, with that. Uh, <laughs> I Listen, if there's one thing you should know about me, which if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm incredibly picky. With a lot of things, I blame OCD, so it is a mental situation, honestly. But when it comes to like watching movies, like Joey can attest to this, and sometimes he gives me some guff for it because, like, I'll be like, I don't want to get this; it's on Blu-ray. And he'll be like, "What?" Um, <laughs> but like, I do. I am admittedly really picky when it comes to like the presentation, like you know, aspect of things. So, uh, watching Puss in Boots on 4K, the new one is. It's, it's, listen, do it. Get that disc, get that set up. It's astounding. Yeah. Um, so I have that. Um, I got Hunchback of Notre Dame on Blu-ray, the 1939 one, because I only had it on oh. DVD. Uh, I thought you were talking about, like, the, I was like, I thought you had the Disney one this whole time. Like, you, <laughs> that's what I thought you were going to say. No, no, no. <laughs> like, listen, you, because... Not, not to, like, you know, put Joey's life out there, but he owns every single, like, animated Disney movie in some format or another. At least the animation studio, the main studio. Yeah, I don't that. Own, I don't yeah, own yeah. all the Pixar movies. Um, I gotta get the I don't know. It's gonna, it's gonna take a second for him to get Lightyear or the Cars movies. See, I'd probably more willingly get the Cars movies. I know! <laughs> That's, I never thought I would say that. But anyway. Um, but going off of, like, other stuff I got, I got, like, this, like, eight pack of like thrillers on blu-ray from uh from mill creek and i mm-hmm. wanted to get it because there's some like karloff bunch of karloff movies lugosi's there but also youtube channel that i follow serial at midnight uh heath has a commentary track on one of those movies so which i think is really cool you know that you have like a youtuber yeah. who yeah. gets to you know who appears on you know one of these commentary tracks and uh very happy for him and i'm very excited to listen to that uh he's a very knowledgeable uh guy um trying to think so i had that i got somewhere in time with christopher reeve because i wanted to check out some other christopher reeve movies where he's not superman and mm-hmm. uh that one looked appealing to me is that like a later like like after superman it was movie? this 1980 so 1980 so like you know yeah, around that time where he was big as Superman. Um, I know, I know he did a movie with Michael Keaton, like because like I remember there was like a sh- a scene that was being shared all the time, like Superman and Batman in a scene together, and like he's and like Reeves laying on a table, like mm-hmm. a pool table, and and Michael Keaton's just walking around him. 
and I've I still have to this day have no clue what that's what movie that's from. Right. So that's all. That's just what I think of all the time. Um, <laughs> but I want I'm going to check that out at some point. Um, I got the Crow on Blu-ray. Um, finally, finally got the Crow on Blu-ray. Very excited to revisit that. Really loved it. Um, you should check out our episode that we did about it. Um, paired mm-hmm. it with Cabinet Doctor Caligari. Um, so we talked about that. Uh, Secret of the Incas is is one of the other discs uh, that I got, um, which is a big influence <laughs> on Indiana Jones, starring uh, one Charlton Heston. Um, but and. Um, you know, it was very big on in- influence on Indiana Jones. Like I was saying, uh, they shot it ar- at and around Machu Picchu. Um, you know, and that's really cool. Ima Sumak, you know, she she was a huge major deal. Her records have like sold like millions of copies uh, back in the day, and her vocal range is insane. Like you hear, she sings in the movie, and it's I couldn't believe what I was hearing, honestly. Um, but it's it's definitely a movie, very much a movie of its time, and uh, <laughs> notable for a lot of reasons. But also, um, character actor Thomas Mitchell is in it, who Richard might remember as the uncle Uncle Billy from It's a Wonderful Life. He forgets the money, he loses the money. Oh, uh, okay. All right, yeah, it's, I, 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 vaguely, but it's there. Yeah. Anyway, so I got that, and I'm trying to think of off the top of my head. Oh. And I went to Best Buy today because I had a bunch of certificates and stuff. Um, Hell yeah. And they happen to have a copy of Shout Select's um, edition, 4K edition of The Magnificent Seven, also starring Beautiful. another pe- person we're going to talk about today, one Yul Brenner. <laughs> so you've had a Ten Commandments sort of day. There, uh, it's it's a day of biblical proportions, one might say. <laughs> but... Uh, nice. That's I really like that's really about it. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, I'm 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 content. You know, yeah. I'm not like I'm not like one way or another. Um, uh, my friend visited me uh, earlier this week, which was not planned. Um, shout out to my my friend Cameron. I do love him dearly. Uh, he and I grew up together. Um, and he moved to Maryland uh, almost like ten years ago now. Fuck. Um. And, uh, he got married, wonderful, his wife is genuinely wonderful, genuinely wonderful person, um, and, uh, they have three kids, two of which they, they got during lockdown, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, you know, hey, as long as they found something to do, um, <laughs> but, no, um, I never met the kids in person, obviously, obviously, um, and they're also the kind of couple that like, again, kind of does things like, Oh, we're doing something, you know, like as a surprise. So like I was at work and his wife, Joanna, shout out to Joanna. Uh, she was messaging me and was like, Hey, did you see what I post on Facebook? I'm like, Oh, I, I haven't seen it. I've been at work all day. What's up? She's like, um, check out, check out Facebook. I'm like, okay. So I look at the message and it says, um, Cameron was feeling homesick. Uh, so I decided we're going to leave for Ohio tonight and I surprised him. So like he got home from work and she was like, all right, are you ready? We're going. (laughs) He's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then I hear these messages and I'm like, I'm not ready. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Like, but, um, they're, they're respectful of like my, 
weirdness so i appreciated that um but we had but the, the hard part was obviously trying to figure out like how we were gonna set up a meet so um we decided to uh because like we have a birthday party room at the movie theater i work at and so we decided to use that i i messaged my manager i'm like hey this is a weird this is a really weird request but would it be possible if i can use the birthday party room to like hang out with my friend who's visiting with his kids and his wife and then she's like yeah that's fine i guess <laughs> so, so I'm like all right i appreciate it thank you so we we met up on monday in the evening around six o'clock and um the whole time like i didn't realize like at first i was like okay at least they're not in my house and my mom you know it was like at least they're not in the house because the house is a little bit messy and we have a dog so you know um there was a bit of that nervousness, but thankfully it was gone because we were in a completely different location, but there was still some nervousness in me because, like, it's my, it's my work. <laughs> you know? So, like, if, and so, like, if these kids who are, like, between the ages of two and six, um, these kids break anything, that's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but nothing broke, thankfully. Nice. Um, they did have, you know, your typical toddler messes, like cookie crumbs and paper and you know just random stuff everywhere but that's just that's just typical um kids are adorable like um there were so many times i'm looking at his daughter's faces and i'm like she has your eyebrows dude like she furls her eyebrows and i'm like that's you <laughs> this is weird <laughs> like i don't have friends that have kids so it's just like what <laughs> like this child i'm staring at has features on your face what is happening right now obviously you know science and biology came into play with that just so you know i'm very aware that how this whole thing works it's just surprising because it's my friend you don't think of it you like, don't think it's gonna happen to your friends happen? <laughs> you don't think it's gonna happen but no they're they're absolutely adorable um and one of the the one little kid the middle child ariana um she kept giving me high fives and you know like i again i don't like touching but, you know, you don't want to leave a kid hanging, so I was like, fine, that's cool. Even though she was picking her nose earlier. Uh, <laughs> Listen, man. <laughs> but, you know, you just, you just deal with it, and I washed my hands later. Good. Uh, so so we, we gave each other some high fives, and we held hands for a second. I was like, all right, this kid's pretty cool. And then at one point, like, I'm, I'm talking to – I'm standing up at this point and I'm talking to my friend and my mom and the kid the kids are running through the whole party room and one of the kid the the same kid Ariana runs and grabs my leg and it startled me <laughs> so I'm like ah! <laughs> I didn't I did not expect it to happen um but no that was it was it was pretty cute uh those kids and it was nice seeing my friend and uh there was one point um, uh, they were getting ready to leave and his, and his, uh, wife comes up to me and she's like, is it okay if I give you a hug? And I'm like, it, it's okay. I trust you. So she runs and gets, she, she leaps and gives me a hug and I'm like, oh, thank you. And then I'm trying to pull away, but then she gets tighter. <laughs> she, she locks in, hands are together. She's, she's patting my back. She's like locked on and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, what i did not <laughs> sign up for this. i did i said i said hug not embrace i said hug not embrace um and then and then i see my friend and i'm like 
you can come in too. It's okay. It's just, it, I, he felt a little out. He felt a little left out. So I brought him in, and we. It was a group hug situation, which I was not comfortable with. But I was like, okay, it's fine. Um, you know, I, it's nice seeing you guys. And then, and then they both pull back, and then she. Well, he pulls back first, uh, and then she pulls back. She's like, listen. I don't know the next time I'm gonna have that chance, so I needed to get I needed to get my hug on. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I get, I, I respect it, I do. Um, it just was startling. Yeah, <laughs> once again. Um, so no, that was that was a nice overall experience, you know, just with a little bit of like moments of oh no, uh, but no, it's always nice to see them. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, I might I might talk to them tonight because I watch The Last of Us with my friend Cameron. So hopefully, we'll because I think he's home now. Yeah, they should be home now. It's mm. been it's been a while. It's been it's been days since Monday, so All they right. should be home. Yeah. Um. So that was sort of a big moment. Other than that, um, I also listen. I also got m- myself a couple of movies within a very short span of time. Like literally, I was telling Joey this. I I ordered five new releases that were all coming out in the same day <laughs> and i was like oh boy and they they didn't all come at once sadly but um two of them came earlier than i expected so like i got two of them on saturday and then th- the rest of them on monday so it was a nice it was a nice overall like surprise um i got the shout 4k's of kubo and box trolls which you know, it's always stressful when, you know, it's like they already released a cool Blu-ray and then it's like, oh, here's a 4K now. And it's like, all right, I'll do it. But just so you know, <laughs> just so you know. But um, those movies look incredible on 4K. All the Leica uh, stop motion films. It's it's insane how good they look. Mm. Um, and I'm hoping maybe Missing Link will get a similar treatment. But, you know, who knows? Um uh, I also got Training Day, which I think is sort of the because Warner Brothers is celebrating their 100 years uh, right now, their anniversary, and they said they're going to release a bunch of movies on 4K that never got any sort of proper release. So like like coming up, we got Maltese Falcon, we got Rebel Without a Cause, Cool Hand Luke. I think they're like the next bunch, but like the first one I think was Training Day because it has like the hundred logo on it. It looks really cool, honestly. Mm. For all the other things going on with Warner Brothers, I like the design aspect of it at least. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, I will. It is worth noting though when you if you go and pick up this movie, it will come in a Blu-ray case, <laughs> which you know it's what it is. Um, I, I thankfully had a, a empty 4K case on hand that I can switch out, so it so it has the 4K case now. But now I have this random empty Blu-ray case. <laughs> Do you want it? I have no use for it. <laughs> you know, it's actually funny because like the disc spindle for my Hunchback Blu-ray was messed up. Mm, I might. Is it, it a two-disker? It's not, sadly. But fuck, I know. It's. It's, uh, I'll still send it to you. You'll, tra- you'll have better use for it than I will. Thank you. <laughs> um, I got Training Day, which I'd never seen before. That was a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Ethan Hawke and Denzel Washington. What more could you ask for? Yeah. Anton Fuqua directing. Yeah. Great director. Um, I also got... Well, I'm trying to think. So that's one, two, three. Uh, Puss in Boots I also got, which you know we already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
probably the one that I had the most intense reaction to because I I'd only seen it in parts, but I hadn't watched it in full until getting the disc was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ooh. Um. That movie fucked me up. <laughs> like, like it's 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 an incredibly intense viewing experience. Um, Toby Hooper directed the hell out of that thing. Yeah. Um, and I like like the the genuine like gritty like rawness of it, and like the movie starts off by saying, you know, this is one of the, this is based on you know one of the most horrific murders in American history, even though it's not based on anything other than like loosely inspired by ed gein mm-hmm. um who is a serial killer um in case you didn't know which feels like the origin point for a lot of just slashers in general yeah yeah you got buffalo bill has got ed gein in him as well um and a few other killers uh it's, it's that whole like like human skin as a I know we said this the Easter episode. I'm talking about this movie. <laughs> it's okay. The thought process. I'm sorry. It's all right. Um, but um, you know, like that imagery of like you know human parts being used as furniture or other sort of things. It's it's grotesque. Um, but like this movie was almost shot like a documentary at times. That's and why like, it's so it, scary. I'm sorry to keep interrupting you. But... Yeah. No. No. But that's that's so true. Mm-hmm. That's so true because it adds to that that rawness. And like, there's the, there's this whole chase scene in the movie where um, uh, Sally, the the sort of main one of the main characters, is getting chased by Leatherface, and it's so exhausting. And I'm so I was so like, you know, like she gets caught in branches like every two seconds. I'm like, get out of there! And he's like right up her butt. I'm like, go, go. <laughs> um, and then like. It was also very stomach turning. Like there's like there's a close there's a couple of close up shots of Leatherface wearing his mask, which is you know obviously made from it's like a, a, a human face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had just eaten, and that 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 was not, ooh, that's not good. <laughs> that's, that is not good timing at all. Um, so that one that one definitely um, affected me a little bit, but. I don't know if I'm going to watch it again anytime soon, but it looks really good on 4K, and I, I like that they kept the like graininess of the film, not like not like the film grain, like the noise. I mean, like you see, like the like the film lines and everything, like the actual texture of the film. So, like without making it such a pristine copy, because then it adds to that sort of like intense, like gritty, like mm-hmm. dirty nature of the movie. So, like it is, it's like it's one of those movies that almost would like work better on VHS. Yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. for the 4K, like I think they went in with that mentality. Yeah. So I I greatly appreciated that. That's um, always I good. I think it was. Who was it? Dark Dark Sky Films did the restoration on this one. I think, or they they're the one that released it. So, um, worth picking up. Honestly, it, it, it's one of those movies that like when people say, "Oh, this is the scariest movie ever made," and all, like all these other movies, this is one of those movies I feel like holds up. In that regard, but believe all the believe all the talk. It's not hyperbolic. No, <laughs> it's genuinely intense. Um, but away from the text, away from Texas, <laughs> uh, let's go to Egypt because we got some we got some stories to tell. See, uh, so <laughs> we um, are talking about with two films specifically the story of Moses. Yes. Um, Joey, can you recap real quickly just the general 
story of Moses? What like the like the bullet points? Bullet points. So Moses, uh, Moses is Hebrew. Okay. Yes. Moses uh, was Hebrew, but what was going on was the Pharaoh of Egypt had, you know, was killing the firstborn uh, of uh, firstborn of Israel of, of the of the Jewish people, basically. Yeah. And um, to prevent Moses from suffering that fate, his mom sent him in a little in a little crib uh, down the Nile, and Moses was picked up by a lady, and then he was raised as a prince of Egypt, but then eventually had to come to terms and found out about his his actual heritage, and you know he gave up this life of privilege and all that, and he became. Yeah. Um, he became a prophet, a deliverer. There's a number of titles that, that, that he holds, uh, you know, famously says, let my people go, you know, freeze let my people go. Yep. The famous song, um, freed them from, from slavery. And of course there's all sorts of things, including the 10 commandments, uh, you know, very important piece of text, but of course, you know, all the, the plagues of Egypt, all this stuff, right? It's parting of the Red Sea. Yes. Uh, really big stuff, right? Um, a story that has been told many times. And the special thing with Moses, like, the special thing with Moses is that you might think of it, some people, especially in the West, might think of it at first, like, with, with um, Christianity, but it's also a big thing for Islam and, and yeah. Judaism. This is a figure that is recognized by literal billions of people. Like, think about this, too, because, I mean, like, not to bring this into, like, pop culture, but um, there were two young Jewish boys from Cleveland, Ohio, that were like, this This could be a pretty good... I'm not saying this was, like, a direct thing, but, like, this... Like, I'm pretty sure they were thinking this could be a really good inspiration for a, a character we're creating, and that character would go on to become one of the greatest creations in fiction, Superman. Mm-hmm. So, like, you look at the like the parallels. I think that's always been my one of my favorite things about the story of Moses is the parallel with Superman. Yeah. So, because that's just where my brain goes. But like, you look at the two stories. I mean, you know, Superman, Planet Krypton was dying, and so uh, Jor-el uh, sat little Kal-el into a rocket or a basket you know sort of similar comparison and launched him into space so that he would survive the destruction of krypton and then he traveled through space until he landed on earth to a kindly couple in kansas who raised him as their own and he became a a symbol for hope and and a savior uh, yeah. for the people of earth and uh, of the city of metropolis so there's a lot of parallel in that regard so I like I always think about that immediately is like Superman and Moses or sort of that there's that parallel there and there's also the recon the recognizability I mean some people have said that the other than the Christian cross the most recognizable symbol on planet Earth is the Superman shield and honestly yeah uh, um you know you don't even have to be a nerd or or anything like that to know you just know it's Superman and you you kind of you might have your own interpretation of what that means but. For a lot of people, it might mean similar things. But with that said, like the character of Superman, the story of Moses has been told many times. Time and time again, changes have been made. We're not going to document all the changes because we are not theologians. We're not, you know, no. Bible experts. We're not that kind of show. 
I'm no. my my perspective is I grew up in a, in a, in a Catholic household. We did go to church every Sunday for a period of time in my life. I had all the crucial sacraments that you need, like the ba- baptism. I've had my first communion, confirmation. So I'm just giving you guys. I don't think I've ever talked about my faith on this show, honestly. We haven't. I don't think either. I, we've come to some things, I think, but we never actually gone full full fledged into it. Like, and then for me, um, I my family was my family's Lutheran, but they they aren't they aren't practicing mm-hmm. by any means. Nor they have they ever. Like my whole life, I don't think they've ever really practiced. But religion was always treated as something like like breathing. It was just a thing that existed. Yeah. So like like you're a kid, you're like, well, where do you go when you die? Like, oh, you go to heaven. Yep. Easy answer. Mm-hmm. Boom, done. Yep. Um, I was never baptized. I never went to church. I never did any of that. Most of my experience with religion and learning about anything through religion was either watching movies or just you know the min- minimal amount of information I ever received from my parents whenever I had any questions, and they would just revert to a Bible explanation. Um, or my neighbors, who I was really good friends with growing up, until they uh you know they moved away obviously but um uh they were heavy 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 christians and so i would learn a little bit about the bible and bible stories and various store books in the bible from them and then um i remember at one point i went to latchkey which is like a daycare sort of thing i did that a couple of times in different summers because you know my parents were working so they didn't have time to like entirely watch me i hated doing it because i i liked being at home yeah um but it was at a lutheran church um which was uh it's not far from where i live it's like probably like five ten minutes it's actually funny enough mentioning my friend cameron it it's right literally uh, across the street from where his mom's house is oh so wow. like like we we would both we both went to latchkey and we would go sometimes like we weren't allowed to but we would go to his house if we wanted to get something and then come back throughout <laughs> like the playground area um but i think I, my, most of my fascination with with the stories of the bible like the story of moses or even like the story of noah um would be from just stories told at latchkey like or you know being told these stories that were like these grand sort of mythological like fantastical narratives but i was also a kid that had a lot of questions because i'd be like well if this is how things came to be how come we can't do this now or like why can't we do this now and of course you know there they would have answers but they would also be like you can't you can't ask those questions and I did, and I was I was I was a kid that hate, hated being told what to do. And Joey's Joey knows this a little bit, <laughs> based on one bad memory we share that makes us laugh now at least. <laughs> but um, good times. But like, yeah, I have I have a problem with authority, admittedly. Um, but uh, it's not it's it's a whole thing. It's yeah. a little hypocritical too because I I have a sense of authority at my job, but. Um, so that's a little bit messed up, but uh, either way, when it comes to when it comes to religion, like like it was it was a slow process because I don't think I knew what an atheist was, or at least I didn't know what an agnostic was growing up. And whenever I did hear about atheist, it I never really was explained it, but it always was portrayed bad. Yeah, like it seemed like a like a dirty word. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until like I got older that I was like, maybe I'm a bit more agnostic because I have these questions, even though I was told I wasn't allowed to, I was kind of shamed for it, right. for having questions a little bit. But um, 
uh, there was just a point I was like, this doesn't make sense. I, I, I just, I, I don't know, but I just don't think so. And then at one point I was like, I think I'm just an atheist. Right. So it, it was sort of a long process to get to that point of my belief and, and, and feeling like while I find a lot of these stories fascinating, I don't think any of it is true. And, right. you know, but that's not to say, like, I feel like there is some connotation with atheism that they have no respect for faith or religion. And admittedly, there is a bit of that with me when it comes to, like, the way organized religions handled or, you know, the way people who have faith are essentially used for monetary gain. And, like, you know, obviously in America, we, we often try to say, you know, we can't separate church we have to separate church and, and, and law and all that stuff, but it's like church and state, but it's like a lot of laws are kind of made because of the church. Um, and so it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. And so I have a, I have a bit of a bad taste in my mouth whenever I do talk about religion or any sort of associated religion, but I try to emphasize often that I don't, I try not to be disrespectful to people who are religious because there have been some great things that have come out of religion and religious belief and, you know, if you're if you're a good person and being religious makes you a better person, then I I find nothing wrong with that. No, right. I just you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like if it wasn't that, it would be something else that they would use to yeah. manipulate people or or whatever. But exactly. Um, also, just like because that was the other big thing with me too as a kid, religion played a big part. Was like uh, my dad and my grandpa died when I was six years yeah. old, so you obviously have a lot of question. And I remember getting a book called mm -hmm. What is Heaven? And it was, you know, it's, I have a lot of complicated feelings with that. But anyway. Um, yeah. so, so as long as you kind of know where we're coming from specifically, I think right, that's important. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so with this, now, I, as I said, the story has been told many times, but there is one filmmaker who has told, got to tell the story twice. And that filmmaker is none other than... Cecil B. DeMille, and uh, this the, his this first feature is I'm not good at the introduction. <laughs> Our first feature from what year was it? Nineteen fifty six. Rewind. <clears throat> Our first feature. <laughs> Our first feature. <laughs> is Cecil B. DeMille's 1956 epic film, The Ten Commandments. Cue, cue like, inspirational music. Oh! We'll have to tool through all of our, or yep. scroll through all of our music with John, that John has made for us, be like, what fits here? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Very Phantom of the Opera. All right. Dun, 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 dun. But this is the anyway. this is 1956 version of the Ten Commandments. He did a version in 1923, which you can watch if you get the Steelbook, uh, 4K Steelbook, or the older Blu-ray editions. The regular 4K edition of the Ten Commandments, I don't know if it has that 1923 disc, but kudos okay. to Paramount, honestly, for putting out something that I believe is technically in the public domain at this point. And oh. has an it has a Blu-ray disc. So that's actually really nice. So what you're saying is, if it's in the public domain, it's a silent movie, dude. Oh, oh I thought the, you were talking about this new one. I was like, what? No, 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 <laughs> not this movie. No, this won't be in the public domain for a very long time. 
Um, I was so confused. No, <laughs> we we will be. Oh my god, we will we will be senior citizens by the time. <laughs> So we'll, we'll have to redo this episode at that point. So we can have Charlton Heston going, Let my people go! <laughs> the Lord is the host of hosts. He will do battle with his mighty hand. You know what? Let's just save that audio. We don't need Charlton Heston. That was better. <laughs> See, oh, I actually, I actually have this, uh, not to derail too much, but I have a quote that is you and your anti-authoritarian... <laughs> obey <laughs> so anyway uh going obey? back to going back to it 1923 he did that now cecil b DeMille mm. is a major figure he is probably at that point one of the most famous directors in hollywood like this is a guy who worked in the early days of hollywood in the silent era into the sound era he was, and he did radio. He was a radio guy too, because um, he was a big, he was a producer in that. So this guy, mm-hmm. he had his hands in a, in a lot of cookie jars over the years, um, which is actually kind of funny, also too, because his other big famous thing he was he, he was in the movie Sunset Boulevard as himself. Um, it's a okay. movie commenting. You'll we'll get to that movie, but it, it's yeah. very much commenting on like this transition from silent cinema to sound cinema in Hollywood. Um, but he literally plays himself in that movie. Um, but this, but eventually he gets to a point with the Ten, Ten Commandments, right? And actually at this point too, he already won his Oscar. He won it for The Greatest Show on Earth, which also stars Charlton Heston. Okay, very important for this conversation. And also, if you've ever, <laughs> you saw The Fablemans... It's in that. It's, it's 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 the opening. It's what it's the opening scene. Opening scene. Um. Yeah. So he make he decides I'm going to I want to make I want to do the Ten Commandments justice because the other one, right? I think it's got some cool elements in it, but it also does like a modern storyline transposed with like the the ancient biblical storyline. So it's kind of like it tries okay. as like a parallel storyline, which is admirable. I think in some ways. However, listen. Like the sound version is pretty good. However, this, like However. this, like this, you really get the sense, like, you know how they say, um, you know, in Jurassic Park spared no expense. Yeah. This that's, was, that's essentially how they approached it. This is this movie. Every detail was meticulously looked at. They hired historians. They had truly one of the big casts of Hollywood. When you really think about it, the costuming, mm. multiple people worked on costuming, including the legendary Edith Head, uh, who did I, I, a lot of costumes and was the inspiration for Edna Mode, if you know that character from The Incredibles. Um, but he, he wanted to tell the story in the best way that he possibly could. He was yeah. intending that this would be his best movie ever. And I think to this day, you might not think it's his best movie. I haven't seen too many of his movies, admittedly. I've seen, like, a couple of them. But mm-hmm. it is certainly his most famous and most seen and most successful by far. And his last, because he didn't pass... He passed away not long after this movie was released. Quite literally went out with a bang. Went out with a bang. He actually had a heart attack on the set of this movie. So there was a point where he was basically doing light duty in Egypt. And he had to have his... his people had... If they had important questions, they went to his wife. Went to Cecil B. DeMille's <laughs> wife for questions. This dude was like, listen, I have to get this movie made, even if it costs me my life, which is unhealthy, but also... It's very unhealthy. But there is an admirable, like, like, a, like a <laughs> exciting, like, 
primal, like, badass, badass, like, admirable. Yeah. Like, this dude, like, I'm trying to imagine, like, somebody like James Cameron or something. So, like, that's the only, like, one of the other comparisons. James, see, James Cameron just has a heart attack, but he's just, like, it's still directing. Like, you don't even tell he's having a heart attack. Like, you okay? You look at you just burped. Yeah, I was having a heart attack. Don't worry about it. We don't um, wish this to happen. Do that to James. again. We don't wish. <laughs> we don't wish this to happen to Jimmy C at all. No, no. Just please don't. But like, good I, health. I, good I health. was like, I was like thinking about that. I'm like, this, this really feels like, in some ways, a James Cameron movie, like the Avatar movies, where it's big, mm-hmm. it's broad, it's epic, it's problematic in some way or areas, it's badass, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> It's got everything. It's got you know? everything. And it's it's one of the few movies where my fondness for it has grown over the years. To, but And that part of that is me recognizing the issues. And I'm going to say this up front. The casting is fucking, like, come on. Like... <laughs> like, like it, it, it's... It, we're going to say that up front because there's no... I'm not going to, like... I don't want to save it. But like, oh, but there's this. No. This is... Th- no, I'm putting this no. right in the front. You know, so we don't miss it's it. Icky. It's there. Listen, like, like we have Edward G. Robinson as the character of Dathan. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Listen, Moses. If you give me, if you don't give me that staff, I'm gonna off your wife. Eh. Mother of mercy, <laughs> is this the end of Dathan? Eh. <laughs> but it's it's strange. And then you have like like Russian Russian with some Mongolian ancestry. Yul Brenner playing an Egyptian. Okay? All right? Sure. And Vincent Price plays a character of, checks notes, Baca? (laughs) I'm pretty sure that is not his ethnicity, but, you know. You know, but (laughs) it's there. So just let it. It's there. It's there. And I'm sure, listen, like, there's some people are going to be like, why aren't you addressing this more? Some people will be like, why did you even bring it up at all? It's there. I, I it might be I might bring it up one more time only within context of some other things, but this is like the big one. This is the big one. This is the big message. Yeah. So we see this. Folks that are that do have that problem, we see you. As I do the hand gesture. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the avatar hand gesture. Um but here's the other thing with this movie too, and that we don't talk we don't have too much of this. You know how like when you you haven't been to the movies too many times. You've been a couple times, but do you get like those intros sometimes? Where, like, a director or an actor thanks you for coming to the movies? I got that with um, with George Miller when I saw 3,000 Years. Gotcha. Yeah, he, he, he showed up and he was like, I made this film for the theater. That's uh, my terrible Australian accent. Like, Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming to see 3,000 Years of Longing. I am jo- I'm George Miller. <laughs> it doesn't sound like that at all, but... No. <laughs> Thank you for coming to see this. But this movie, and Richard knows this, he got to actually see Cecil B. DeMille because Cecil B. DeMille introduces the movie and is the narrator of the film. Now, he doesn't narrate every his, his, scene. His presence is more is more ominous than anything. Like, it's there. Like, he, he almost sounds like he is God. Like yeah, was, yeah. He, I think he is God. In this, because in this literally, I wish I could. I wish we did put audio things because I, I wish I could sound like him and say, "And God said." Let there be light. You know, um, and like he is, um, he is very much like the director. You know, obviously yeah. there are, this is one of those epic movies where there's so many people involved. Uh, John P. Fulton is a returnee on our show. He did the effects for the, the original Invisible Man. 
He mm. wins an Oscar for the effects in this movie. Like, there's this is a whole team of people, but obviously it's led by Cecil B. DeMille. So I think it is, you know, to say it's Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments, I don't think is an incredibly unfair thing to say. I think that's what it says in the box. It does. I, I just mean, you like know, it's not, it's like, it's not just the Ten Commandments. It's Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments. It's Cecil B. DeMille's, yes. So like, let's talk, let's, let's get into this a little bit. Um, cause we've never done a movie with the inter, like we've done movies with intermissions, but never in, in the Entre Act. Like that bothered, yeah. I remember like you were just like, what is this? When we did, when we watched the what, second part. Like, like, what is that? Stop that. Um, there, like, but why are you there? Um, I mean, there's <laughs> exit music. There's an overture. It's a movie. It's really like they really do preserve like the experience of seeing this on the big screen. I think I was just mostly mad because like the intermission happened and then obviously we stopped and then we went back into the movie and then that second part happens and I'm like and I was like what what's happening? And you're like well this is that part like there's people who are probably not back for the bathroom yet and I'm like you tell me I could have been peeing right now. <laughs> Go, Richard, you already. I could have been having a better experience peeing right now. <laughs> um. So basically, um, the story. Obviously, we already addressed what the beginning of the story of Moses was. So basically, Moses Moses grows up. Um. Well, you know, even before that, let's talk about um, Bithia. I believe her name is uh, Nina Falk. Um, plays her, and she is she's the daughter of Pharaoh. And she's upset because her husband is dead and yeah. she has no children. And she finds, obviously, a little basket. Mos- a little basket with, with uh, Charlton Heston's son, Fra- Fraser Heston. Um, <laughs> so weird. It's so weird. He's literally was born to play this part. But anyway. Um, quite literally. Quite literally. And he, she goes, oh, the river gods gave me a son. And then Judith Anderson playing Mehmet. Uh, and she's a great actress. We got to talk about other movies she's in, but she is just like, um, uh, this is this is a Jewish baby. Excuse me, this is <laughs> stop. And and, and then like Bithia is like, no, it's Moses, Moses. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> the voice <laughs> Moses. And then hey it, it, it flashes forward to Charlton Heston uh, after his his victory in Ethiopia, okay? Because you know he's he is a prince of Egypt, haha. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, re- he returns. Believable. He returns home. <laughs> he returns home, and he gets all this treasure and stuff for his 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 king, his pharaoh, his father figure, Seti, played by the great Sir Cedric Hardwick, who has appeared on our show before in. The War of the Worlds as the narrator of that movie. Um, and this is also where we meet a few characters. We meet Nefertiri, Egyptian Egyptian princess played by Ann Baxter. Um, Probably the horniest character in the whole movie. The horniest character. All she wants to do is have sex with Moses. That's basically what all she, all she wants to do. <laughs> I feel like that's in every Charlton Heston contract. Because I feel like every single movie I've watched him in, someone is horny for him. Specifically, like the hot actress of the time probably it's like we watch planet of the apes the whole time linda, <laughs> linda harrison <laughs> the whole time um though admittedly i think with that one it's almost like i feel like she's just because that's all that's all that's the only option it's like so listen, but, we're, we're practically like the adam and eve now at this point let's just we gotta figure this like, out um fuck i got something up but never uh, like yeah yeah she's she's horny for moses mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the whole time the whole time 
Um, though, but my mother did walk in while we were watching it, and she, <laughs> she's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, "Mom, stop! <laughs> Don't do it!" Oh my god, he is hot. <laughs> he is sexy. <laughs> she said about Trotton Heston. Yes, she did. <laughs> <laughs> But, but some things I don't relate to. Going parents, beyond that, um, okay. going beyond that, we meet um, we meet Ramses, Prince Ramses, played by Yul Brenner, um, who is this is the son of Pharaoh. But he, mm-hmm. you know, because of Moses's deeds and the kind of guy Moses is, he might not be the heir to Egypt. He he, he feels he feels a bit of a competition coming on, and he's he's getting nervous, so he kind of hates him a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Like Seti, like clearly, like Seti, like kind of wishes that Moses was his like natural born son. You know, you get like yeah. And that listen, that mentality that could screw you up a little bit. Yeah. Like this, is some random schmo comes in and it's like, you're telling me you prefer this person who's not your biological son to myself? Kinda. Yep. <laughs> um, so basically what happens eventually is that Seti, like, promotes Moses to be, like, the, the head supervisor for his new his new city, right? Mm-hmm. And Moses gets to really interact more with, with, with the Hebrews. And, um, you know, I don't want to go over everything bit by bit, but, like, basically Moses' mentality is like, listen, guys, I know, like, look, they're slaves, yes. If you want to get the work done, you got to feed these people. You got to treat them a little better than what you are currently. You know, like they were about to crush Moses's biological mother under the stone. <laughs> like, like imagine um, uh, uh, if a person was stuck between two Lego bricks. Yeah. Excuse me. That was essentially just it. Was, it just kept going closer and closer, and you're like. Well, she's still there. Hey! Hey! Right. And, like, Moses is doing things like, okay, I'm going to feed them. I'm going to give them one day in seven to rest. And everyone's like, well, why are you doing this? And Seti comes in to investigate, and he's just like, well, why, why are you doing that? And you didn't come in when I told you to come back in. And Moses is like, yeah, I got more important things to do. And you're like, what? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then he shows Seti, like, listen, I made your fucking city. And dude, that scene where they're lifting up the obelisk, I still get, like, I'm on the edge of my seat. Like, because you hear, like, the ropes, like, the structure is, like, like all, like, the supports are breaking. It's such a, well, like, well-executed, well-put-together um, sequence, I think. Mm-hmm. That... I feel like a lot of the imagery in that whole opening scene is pretty is pretty spectacular. And like the way they like a lot of the exterior shots when you see like the huge amount of people just pulling stuff and mm-hmm. like when you see the obelisk come up and it kind of does like a teeter thing. Yes. Mhm. Oh yeah. And you're like, "Oh, it is pretty impressive." Like th- there's no question the production of this movie is astounding. Like no um uh, to to quote John Hammond, we spared no expense, as 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 we said. <laughs> but but again, I don't want to like. But basically, I'm just going through the plot so we can talk more generally about yeah. the movie. Well, I mean, I, that's, we kind of just we kind of did that a little bit anyway. We did, so, but yeah. like, there's very specific like beats. Like eventually, like Mehmet reveals Moses's like actual you know actual heritage. 
Yeah. <laughs> and Nefertiri kills Mehmet, and Moses, you know, die. Moses gets to experience life as time as a slave. There's some stuff that happens with that, and eventually, eventually, Moses he's, he's cast out. Moses is ca- is cast out, but like the craziest scene is because we have all this time developing their relationship between Moses and Seti, right? And Seti's like, listen, Moses, I'll believe whatever you say. You just got to tell me what what's up, man. And Moses is like, listen, listen, I, I, there is something that compels me that I, I have to free these people. This is, this is wrong. This is terrible. Um, and so he's cast out into the desert and Lily Munster finds him and takes care of him. Lily fricking Munster. Uh, Yvonne, Yvonne DiCarlo, um, spectacular. Um, oh yeah takes care of him and then eventually joshua played by john derrick uh who is a character who's a stone cutter there's a lot of broad things i'm sorry he, he comes in <laughs> and he's like you gotta, no, help, you gotta help us out <laughs> the funny thing is this reminds me because i was just i li- last night i listened back to the our justice league conversation and i'm like i'm scrambling so hard to, to explain what happens in that movie there's a lot there's a lot there's a, so much there's so much that happens like you know, because you got to understand, this movie is what three hours fifty one. It's close to four minutes. hours. It's close it's, to four it's, hours. It's it's literally like touching the 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 end of of uh the beginning of four hours. Yeah. Um. So the whole the whole first half. This was the surprising part to me because I expected the first half to really like, and it is like it, it to be about like. Moses' time as the Prince of Egypt as, mm-hmm. you know, part of that community. And then when he's cast out into Egypt after, you know, his experiences there, that's when the intermission happens. Then the second half is literally his whole time, you know, as, you know, Moses truly is, you know, his his himself. And, um, you know, meeting his wife and then eventually seeing the burning bush, which leads to, you know, him become, he, him being, the prophet like moses as those are continuous thing like at the beginning of the movie he's moses you know moses what's up moses then at once he sees the burning bush he becomes moses right he is changed by the experience um yeah of of seeing the so, bur- encountering the burning bush sorry yeah no that's all right um so like that was sort of the surprising thing that it sort of cut off like because we we traveled through the sands we traveled through the desert we get to that to that uh area that he that he's uh, that he meets the Lee Monster at, and then I think then it's the burning bush. Then he has the experience, and then it cuts to intermission. Yep. And that was the surprising thing. I was like, we ha- we had this whole two and a half hour movie. I feel like, and then part two is just him. Like it's like bullet points. Like we need to hit um, the plagues. We need to get the parting of the Red Sea. The giant freaking fire tornado thing. We need to hit. Um, the Golden Calf. We need to get obviously the title of the film, The Ten Commandments, which Joey and I have joked. We'll we'll mention it a little bit later as well. So like, this movie's called The Ten Commandments. Yet the Ten Commandments are like an afterthought, a little bit. Like we'll like bet. it like it just it happens at the very end of the movie, and then it's just like they're here. And then he comes out of the mountain, and then you just see you get it is a pretty epic shot of him just walking out of the mountain yes. with the smoke, mm-hmm. just like like in a trance. And then uh, everyone's like celebrating the golden calf, and then he just 
like has his big like speech and he chucks the Ten Commandments uh, at the golden calf and then it just breaks the earth apart and everyone sucked into it. This is very Old Testament, by the way. That should also be noted. It's like angry God, scary God. like Angry, angry, a, a, scary Adam, God. Adam and Eve, you better follow all of my rules or you If will... you eat from that other tree, I swear to me. Right. Hey, <laughs> hey, Russell Crowe, I'm going to flood the earth. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't do something about it, you screwed, man. <laughs> I think there's a few, a lot of things I do like about this movie. Uh, Charlton, I think Charlton Heston plays Moses. This is not my favorite Charlton Heston performance. I will uh-huh. just full out say that, even though it's probably his most famous role, it is probably the right. role he's been seen as the most because this airs on TV every year, and it was one of the biggest movies of all time, box office wise. Um, you know, he has to play a figure that is recognized by so many people. I like obviously the first half. He's he's just a guy, right? He is a dude. Right. Um, you know, he loves and he, he, you know, he feels passion and anger and all this stuff. Then after the encounter with the burning bush that leaves him speech, oh, nearly speechless, he is, like, we almost call him like an asshole, but like, he is like, un- <laughs> yeah. he's like unrelatable. He, like, he feels like he has become the vessel of God. Like you were, yeah. point- you were saying this when we were talking about it, like the freeing, freeing the Hebrews from, from Egypt was almost just a part piece of the puzzle. Yeah, like that was the sort of that was the thing that like it felt it made more sense the way it was portrayed in this movie, but it also just felt really weird cuz like when you think about the story of Moses, obviously you're always told like oh he freed the slaves, he freed the Hebrews. That was his that was like a great achievement of his. Right. But then when you see when you see it presented in this film, it's more that he's just pissed that uh Ramses won't accept god or won't bow to god right whereas you know obviously he's like let my people go like he says the famous line obviously and he you know goes through that whole thing but all of that feels like him going excuse me i'm drinking a soda so i I apologize if i'm burping um but uh when he's when he approaches ramses and he's talking about that whole thing um his his approach is very like centered on bow to god be you know be be uh under under the under the one god be under the god of abraham also by the way can you what about them hebrews can we free them like i know that's not the first thing i mentioned but i I think it's important to note but also bow to god like it it was it was such a strange thing but again it, it makes a lot more sense at least from my perspective that it would be like that first and then the hebrew second but you I guess you you would want there to be more of an emphasis on the freeing of the Hebrews, mm-hmm. at least at least at least that's how I would have felt. Right. But so it was a it was kind of a strange experience to see that portrayed that way. But it yeah. made it made a lot of sense in it. Maybe like a in a weird negative sort of way for me. But um, like I was like, oh, of course he would be the guy that would be like bow to God and then free the slaves. Um. So it was just a little weird. That's all. Yeah. It's. Yeah. It, it is interesting, um, but mm. I, I think like the grand scale of this movie. Obviously, we talked about with the ob- like the like the the city of Seti, right? I think about like mm-hmm. when the when the slit when the when the Hebrews are freed and they are in front of the gate of Ramses City, and it's a huge huge amount of people. All like, those people, like the over the giant like shot of, like over a cliff or something. You see that like what looks like thousands of people with camels mm-hmm. and cattle and ducks and all these things um 
that are just it, it like because today if you did that today it would be a computer it'd be a computer shot which it would be like like 10 20 so people and then that would be multiplied in after effects um which again you know computers can do amazing things that i'm not trying to knock computer yeah. artists obviously but there is something to be said where you go like that's a lot of people that took a lot of mm. it took a lot of just like on the day of preparation and coordination uh with with people you have to get thousands of people like to know this is what your specific job is a lot of mm -hmm. ma managing has to go on for that, um, obviously. It almost, it's funny, like, it makes me think of 300 a little bit, which is also sort of played in that similar fashion, like an epic. It's not as long, but, like, right. it's sort of in that same ballpark. Um, but, like, obviously, <laughs> in order to portray 300 Spartans, they had to, like, get, like, a huge number, but they also, like, digitally added on yeah. the rest of the Spartans. Whereas, whereas you see this and you just see quite literally thousands of people mm -hmm. and like everybody's got a specific costume. Everybody's got um, some sort of trinket. There's camels, there's cows, there's it's, it is, it's pretty magnificent admittedly to like, just see like, again, they, they, they went all out. Yep. And it, sh it shows immensely. So when you see Moses leading the Hebrews out of Egypt um, towards salvation, towards the mountain, um, it's it's pretty wild, mm -hmm. honestly. Yeah. Let's think about that. Obviously, the plagues of Egypt. Like, the second half is really, like, in some ways, like, a disaster movie where natural disasters mm -hmm. are happening um, and they're trying to like they're trying to explain them like you have have the water the the water in the Nile turning into blood, uh, you know you have the hail that turns it that that goes goes on fire of course pestilence the, pest, the pestilence which is a very eerie scene just the the creeping of the smoke that that effect is just wild yeah like just the you know slowly I I can't make the noise but like the yes <laughs> yeah yes it's the creeping of it. it it's it's pretty horrific um especially for a movie that's like rated g you know yeah <laughs> i guess because like, they're like oh it's oh in the god it's in the bible so it's okay but it's still like i, I i'm also thinking about too because ramses has has a kid eventually right and yeah. that first born because they didn't paint the lamb's blood on their door uh that kid dies so there's a you see this mm. kid's lifeless body on on like resting in the hands of this like egyptian statue as yeah. as Yul Brenner is asking dread lord of darkness <laughs> to like bring his son back <laughs> which is just kind of metal um <laughs> <laughs> which that that aspect of it cuz cuz when we watched our second movie i was talking about that that I found sort of interesting. And, and it makes sense, obviously, the way they're portraying the story of Moses in both of the movies. We'll talk about it a little bit more, but, like, obviously, the presence of God is very much there. But, like, obviously, the Egyptian gods are absent, let's say. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing as well. So, like, there's that whole scene, Yul Brenner sits his kid dead on the statue of, I think, Horus? I don't. I'll be fully honest. I don't know the Egyptian. Uh, I, gods very yeah, well. ex, you know, but yeah. on a statue. When I think of the bird head, I think maybe Horus, but I mm -hmm. could be wrong. Most sure. likely wrong. And so he's he's like, um, you know, bring my son back to life. Put any ounce of life back into my son. Nothing. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. 
and and Nefertiri's like, you're wasting your time. <laughs> like the, everything you're doing right now, it means nothing. And so then Ramses is like, I, I'm pissed. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go find Moses. I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill all the Hebrews. Screw everybody. Like this is after he was like, just take him and go. And then he just was like, no, no, they're not going without without blood. Yep. So, so he's chasing after him. I'm gonna take the reins a little bit here because you're you're <laughs> you're probably a little bit tight. Um, so you're doing a great job though. You're better. You're doing you're doing better than I was with Justice League. Um, so at this point, um, we got Moses and the Hebrews. They're traveling to the Red Sea, and um, Ramses is hot on their tail. You know, he's got the chariots. He's battle ready. He's got his armor. He's got his soldiers. They're all ready to throw down. They're they're again. They're out for blood. And what are they? They're stuck. Where are they gonna go? With the power of God in 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 that staff, Moses slams it down, says some words, and the sea. This is actually kind of a cool effect too, like miniature work in the way that they sort of implemented it. Um, the sea parts. Mm-hmm. They can now get past. They can now escape um, Ramses and his and his army with the added help of a fire tornado, which is the presence of God stopping them in their path yep so you got the hebrews you have moses hightailing it through this pathway made uh in the middle essentially or wherever section of the red sea they get to they, they're getting close to the end but of course you can't hold it for too long and so the fire tornado is gone and um ramsey's makes his way they're charging through you know intense. we're about to we're about to we're about to destroy you know and and the hebrews are like oh my oh my goodness we have to go we have to go 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 the waters of the the, the huge walls of water slowly start to come back in and the hebrews thankfully make it through ramses and his soldiers unfortunately are now crushed under the weight of the Red Sea and are destroyed. Horses, soldiers, chariots, everybody's dead. The Hebrews made it across. So then we're finally at the mountain. They've traveled to the mountain. Now Moses is like, what do I do now? Like, like what's next? And, of course, we have... Nah! <laughs> and Richie Robinson... Robinson. Uh, yeah. As Dathan, um, he's he's like basically like what is like he's essentially been against this whole thing the whole time, but he was just stuck regardless with he, these people. He, he's kind of the guy that goes to the, like the high, the highest highest bidder. Like he help he helps Ram- Ramses out by saying Moses is is the guy uh, that you want to go go want to go after. It was Moses. And he's the 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 defector. Is that what it was? The the defector. What was the what was the term he used for to like to, to describe mo like the because like because at the beginning of the movie they were looking deliverer for like so, the deliverer the deliverer. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yep. Yes. You describe Moses as the deliverer, um, and you know he gets a nice like he's I think he becomes the governor of Goshen or at the very least he's like um you know he gains some heavy power. He gains some heavy power and gains uh uh Lilia Dever Paget's character upsets joshua very much um but basically he's forced to go with the hebrews but then 
He's like, Moses let us, where has Moses been all this whole time? M Moses, Moses gave us nothing. Moses is nowhere to be found. Let's make a go god from our own gold and make a golden calf. So like, so like he picks up this little, this little trinket, it's a golden calf. And they melt down all the gold that they have, and they essentially make plates and and form it around this this like model they built of a calf, and it basically becomes like a hedonistic, um, like Dionysus talking about Greek mythology, um, uh, party of wine and excess, sex, violence, anything anything that you could want, like the 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 most basic human desires. Are on full display, um, all while Moses and Josh. Well, Josh was gone, but Moses specifically is gone because he's trying to figure out what next. The fire tornado has returned and starts carving out the Ten Commandments onto the the cliffside until um, he carves out the, he carves them out into the you know the tablets, the stone tablets, the the coveted Ten Commandments, mm -hmm. the title um, trinket. Moses comes down from the mountain, sees this, this sees this party, sees this Babylon style. <laughs> I'm only thinking of that because, because you know, yes. I haven't watched the movie, right, yet, right. but you know, yeah. um, but like this, this, this very um, intense, like raunchy party happening, and uh, he's like, "You guys are, you guys have broken pretty much every commandment in one go. Good job. Guess what? You're screwed." So, <laughs> those who will not live by the law shall die by the law. Boom. That's 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 the actual line. <laughs> Just so you know. Um. So he he raises the tablets over his head. He tosses them down. Explosion. It dis explosion. <laughs> the earth cracks. It's, it's breaking open. The calf falls in. Um, nah, falls in. Uh, Bunch of other Robinson, people. Great actor. <laughs> I do love him. I'm just that's how yep. I that's how mm. I know him. Yes. Nah. Listen, Perfect. see, we're gonna honor this golden calf now. Screw your commandments. See, <laughs> that's not a line at all. But that's I it, picture. It, that it's man. a ba it's a basic uh, summary. But then, like Moses has to be so hardcore. They, they, they have to lead these people through the desert for forty years. So the generation. Will uh, the entire generation will not have remembered this embarrassment that has happened, yeah. you know? And then Moses becomes Santa Claus, and uh, <laughs> he does. and he walks off. Basically, <laughs> he's like, "Put the tablets in the Ark of the Covenant so that Harrison Ford can find them later." He says that verbatim. It's I'm very, sure you know. it's very strange, uh, which is like, even weirder considering the. I watched Secret of the Incas and Charlton Heston's in it. it basically, what a prototype Indiana Jones getup. So he knew. He just knew it was going to happen. He's like this little, this little kid named Stevie Spielberg is going to be making a movie. God literally <laughs> told Charlton Heston. <laughs> but um, we need to make sure that's the basic whole story i mean how long have we been going i feel bad because there's definitely like 10 minutes gee already <laughs> jesus <laughs> 10 minutes jesus christ I, we're reaching we're re but again two long movies there's a lot to talk about so let, let me just or, i, I want to get at least in re relation to justice league and this that's all let's saying. go to specifics because like the cast um i think yule brenner to me is like the standout um performance his sassiness is is not to be messed with. He's sassy, and, but he's so hyper masculine too. 
like he realizes how masculine you could be while also being sassy like sassiness is not entirely um against manliness i'm just saying you could be sassy as hell right like look at look at vincent price who's also in this movie well See, Vincent Price also, I think, sometimes like gay-sounding. He may lean more sassy, but I'll tell you this much. There is some manliness there. Because, like, like, you look at Yul Brenner, and he's just, like, super muscular. Like, he was the king. He was in The King and I, which... Every... Sorry, every pose. Every... Because he posed. Like, that's his... Like, I think of him... Like, going back to the 300 comparison, like, I think of him the same way I think of... A lot of the actors and like Gerard Butler in 300 because like everything is like a pose you know what I mean like like when when he when he tells Moses just go he literally like does the thinker like the the thinker like hand on his hand on his chin just like get out of here but like he's sassy oh no Joey just hung up on me oh god (laughs) Joey just hung up on me oh he's on another call so this is the point of the podcast where I'm still recording and I'm not actually talking to Joey and um, this is going to be interesting. Uh, we'll see if this stays in. So he's, he's doing the thinker. He's thinking, um, okay, Joey's messaging me now. Um, he's telling me to stop recording. I don't know if I'm going to, uh, um, but I'll, I'll stop anyway, just to, just to help him. So I'm stopping right now. So basically, basically what I'm getting at is that Yul Brenner in this movie is a masculine, sassy bitch. And I love it. <laughs> like, cause he's, like I said, he's doing the pose, he's doing the thinker. He like strikes it. Do the, you know what I mean? His cape action. Like, listen. He swishes that thing like, like nobody else. Listen, I, I also think costume design is an important element to think about with this, with this movie. Um, you know what, the, speak, speaking of the cape thing, you know what that makes me think of? Mm. Um, we might have talked about this. Uh, I we had to have talked about this. Um, when they were doing the first Batman movie, yeah, they had multiple people playing like multiple different kinds of stunt people playing Batman with Michael Keaton. Obviously, Michael Keaton is the performance, um, but like they would have to get a belly dancer so they can really like add to the cape swishing. Oh wow! So like any and so anytime you see Batman do like like a really intense like cape like there's a scene I think. Um, when they're in uh, Ace Chemicals and they're walking upstairs, and like J- uh, Jack Napier's running upstairs, and then Batman appears out of the shadow and swishes the cape, I'm pretty sure that's a belly dancer. Um, which you can get away with because obviously you're wearing a mask and it's from a distance, but it's such it's like a, it's like a cool thing to like we're gonna really go bring lean into that because Yul Brenner is also not only an actor of the screen, but he's an actor of the stage because he was in the original production. Of the King and I, as the King of Siam, I believe he is the, mm-hmm. the only actor who has won two Tony Awards for playing the same part, because he played it in the original so he, production. He can add the drama to it then, like that stage mm-hmm. drama. He's got that stage yeah. quality where even if you're in the like the nosebleed seats, he is going to impact you. I will have all of that. Makes me like him more, honestly. When, <laughs> like like the, the fact that he's so he adds that drama. Um, because like, and also like the second time he played the King and I was a much later on in his career. I think they had to cut yeah. scenes cause like, they're like, w- this, listen, Yul Brenner's amazing, but he can't do all this stuff at this point in his life. <laughs> uh, so we gotta be realistic, but no, he's, yeah. he's an Academy Award winner and a Tony winner because of the King and I, and that definitely played a part in him getting this part, which is, I, I'm happy about it cause. So he's an ought. 
at the very least, yeah. I don't know what other awards he's won. But um, he, he also won the National Critics Award for this performance. Um, oh. Not an Academy. He should have been nominated for an Oscar, in my opinion, because, listen, Ramses might be one of my all-time favorite villains. Because, obviously, as you said, he's a, he's a sassy, masculine bitch, for one. Yeah. But in <laughs> all, in all of that, like this is like it's kind of like this is like Game of Thrones, and there's such a deeply personal drama. Like he he is so bitter at Moses, like y- you know he he really wants to rub it in Moses' face that he got Nefertiti. Like my kid is it came from her. Like that was a big thing too, because like again, I think the first portion of this movie is very horny. <laughs> it is. It, it, <laughs> like, it's very horny. I mean, that, that's also a lot of like Cecil B. DeMille stuff too. Like I think like the sin and salvation. <laughs> Having your cake and eating it too, because it's just like all this exciting. It benefits us because it's really exciting shit. <laughs> so we we get a huge gourmet buffet, hooray, buff buff feast, <laughs> a buffet. No, but I love. There's so many lines. I there's so many lines in this movie that I love, um, and mm-hmm. a lot of them are Yule are Yul Brenner lines. Obviously, we 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 said um, I said obey. Uh, so, and the one that repeats a lot, so let it be written, so let it be done, you know, yeah, uh, in various ways, in various ways. And, uh, one of my other favorite ones is when he's talking Nefertiri and he's talking about how, uh, yeah, you're going to be my wife. And he's just like, I will love you more than my horse, my Falcon and my dog. Uh, no, he's like, I will, I will own you like my horse, my Falcon and my dog. Only I will love you but I'll more love them more and trust you less. And I'm like, Ooh. And, and like he's just he's just like here are your king's robes and he gives him the, the Levite ro- the, the the robes of the of the Hebrews here's your king's scepter it's a stick um, yeah. he tries to like downplay it but I, one of my favorite scenes is when like we talk about the summoning of like the snakes you know and like Moses mm. summons a snake you're like holy shit I didn't know that was on the table for this movie and then Yul Brenner's like bruh. This is like mm-hmm. a, it's like a magician. Like what do you? Like, it's like pulling a rabbit out of your hat. Like you know, I, even, yeah. I think he makes a rabbit comment too, and they make two. He more. does. He does make a rabbit comment. Yeah. Um. Which like, you pull a. I just imagine like you know in Egypt, like ancient Egypt, like someone pulling like a rabbit out of something. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like what? <laughs> but Yul Brenner isn't. I also love him at the end of the movie. Like his the devastation when all of his forces are decimated by the Red Sea. And he puts his arms in front of his face. It's just such a broad... And there's so many moments like that in the movie. Like, when this mm-hmm. Red Sea is parting, there's these three ladies that are like, Oh! And, like, their, their hands are on their head. And oh, they're like, no! But it's, like, such a... like a, it, It's, like, the maximum drama. And the other scene that I really yeah. like, too, is that he comes back to Nefertiri after he's failed. And he goes, His God is God. And you, you, you really see that, that, that Pharaoh, Pharaoh is humbled. And you know what's like intense too is like he when he walks into his his throne room, and he's like like already about to slay her. Like he's like he like he's like he pulls the sword out. He's like, all right, let's get. The, I'm about to kill you. And she's like, wait, let me see if the blood of Moses is on your sword. She's also such a messy bitch too, dude. Like, <laughs> listen, they're both messy bitches for different reasons. But she they're kind of perfect for each other. They're, they're kind of, <laughs> but it, but she hates him. But like, she, oh yeah. But I love when she's just like. You know, you know what he did, Ramses. He he rejected. He rejected what you wanted, like, and <laughs> I, that really set. Like this movie is deeply horny. He's like, listen, listen. What he's rejecting something I've worked my whole life, even though I 
got it basically because Moses wanted to free people. But he he got he wanted he said no. That's I gotta kill this dude. Yeah, screw him. I hate him so I'm just, much. I'm just going to go through the cast just real quick of anybody I forgot. Deborah Paget we haven't talked about as 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 Lilia. Her and and Joshua are nice. They're just hot people. So it's just nice to see it's hot people. It's it's very oh, Orlando Bloom and um, Kira Knightley. Yes, that was my that was my comparison. That was your reference point. And you didn't hate Joshua. That was also one of our running jokes no, in the movie. No, too. that was that. Listen, there was a lot of like shitty people in this movie. <laughs> like like okay, um, you know, not to divulge into this, so we can talk about the uh, characters and whatnot. But uh, um, I look at Ramses, I look at Moses, and I'm like. I hate both of you. <laughs> um, jo- jo- Joey Joey builds up Nefertiti as like kind of a terrible person, and I'm like, I see it, but <laughs> she's just horny. I don't know. She's just really horny the whole time, and I'm like, I get it, I get you. Um, uh, and then and then you got um, Edward G. Robinson. Yeah, he's shitty. Um, Seti, he's kind of shitty. Um, the one, the one woman that revealed Moses was a Hebrew. Memet. She's shitty. Memet is, is Memet. Really shitty. Yeah. Um, and um, like there's some shitty people, and then you got Joshua and uh, the the woman. Lil- I forget her, what's her name. The actress name is Deborah Paget. Um, Lilia, I believe the name. Lilia. <clears throat> um, those two are just like they're just trying to navigate all this shittiness. Like, like I'm like I, I'm rooting for you guys. I feel like, bad. I was too- glad to like latch. <laughs> Cause she's bound to the calf at the end. Like what the fuck? Like this is messed up, man. What the hell? And I, I, I just, I mean, but also so many scenes where Joshua's like clearly like, um, you know, Moses is like lieutenant and like you know making sure <laughs> he's like directing traffic and carrying people and helping out. And you're like, that's a, you know what? It's a nice guy. He's like, he's he's a good friend, and um, he just he's he cares about this lady. You know, at least there was someone I could latch on to yes. in an otherwise cast of a bunch of shitty people. <laughs> and then Nefertiri, who's just really horny. Nefertiri is just... Com- Dude, one of my favorite scenes is when, when they're introducing... I will not shame people for being horny. But it's funny, though. It's hysterical. Because <laughs> there's the scene where they're, like, introducing Ethiopia, and they're like... You know, it's so and like Cedric Harry was like, "It's so nice to see see us agree with our enemy or some shit." She goes, "And such a beautiful enemy." <laughs> like <laughs> this movie, I think it, it's like a, it's a campy movie too. Like Vincent Price, it's got that camp factor for Nefer- sure. Nefertiri, but also I'm trying to think of all, all the actors. Okay, John Carradine. I have to mention him because he is Aaron. He's the best Aaron in our episode. Um, <laughs> And, and but listen, he's also appeared on our show. He's so many acting credits, but also he's appeared on our show in the Secret of Nim as the as the owl. Okay, great voice, mm-hmm. and he's Moses's like hype man, base like Moses's demonstrator. Okay, because Moses hands the staff off to Aaron a lot, which surprised you quite a bit. That that part I was like, because like like in like I saw in our second movie, I imagine Moses doing all of this stuff, like Moses like. Like throwing the stick down, and then it turns into the snake, or Moses putting the putting the staff in the water, and the blood, uh, you know, co- cover comes, and you know everything, all the water turns to blood, the plagues, and all that stuff. Sometimes he does that, but most of the time he's like, "Here, Aaron, take my stick <laughs> and show them." Like I'm like, "What? What? Why is Aaron doing it?" Yep. Now you you had a good ex- a good answer to that question. Yes, that it's not so much the power of Moses as it's the power of God through Moses or at least through through 
just the power of God in general. To, yeah, like he wants to show that it's not it's not Moses that has this. Like Pharaoh doing all these yeah. things, it's like Pharaoh's power. But this is the power of God. This is something bigger than all of these people. But also, too, I was listening to the commentary track on the Ten Commandments. Very good commentary track. Very thorough. Um, yeah. And the woman uh, was talking. I'll put her name in here. But but she was talking about how, um, like in the Bible, apparently Moses had stutter, and so Aaron would do a lot of the talking in a lot of these instances. So there's a reference to that a little bit. Which also would have made sense because John Carradine has a great voice. Um, mm-hmm. How are we going to make bricks without straw? You know, he's got an amazing voice. Um, great actor. And just, uh, yeah. sorry, I know this has gone on really long. Thank you for bearing <laughs> with me, everybody. And Richard especially. Especially Richard. Um, Thank you. Uh, just trying to... I'm, I'm <laughs> just thinking about... I don't want mi- to miss anybody because I think this whole cast... Mm-hmm. I think this whole cast is pretty extraordinary. Like, not Charlton Heston's best, but, like, the whole rest of the supporting cast is so good. Um, but obviously, we talked about Edward G. Robinson. Vincent Price is is campy. Um, I want to talk about the sets real quick. I love, because there's so much, like, subconscious, like, so, so much thought that goes into it. Like, in the beginning of the movie, when Seti's throne, we see Seti's thr- throne room, it's white, yeah. it's pristine, it's clean. It's like, okay, this is this is a, a guy that we like more than Ramsey's. But then when we see Ramsey's, yeah. Ramsey's is dark. It's like the, the seating is black. It's a much darker space. So you it's almost so, vacant. Almost vacant. You associate like, him more with villainy. A lot of empty space. A lot of empty space. Yeah. But also costuming is great, too. Like the contrast. When, um, when Moses comes into the throne room after the intermission, and he's in his Levite, his Levite robes and the staff, it's such a dir- huge contrast with like the gold dress that Nefertiri has on. Uh, I just mm-hmm. I love stuff like that. And again, it's a Technicolor, um, Technicolor production. Yeah, it'd be huge yeah. widescreen uh, thing. But um, yeah, I mean, this movie really is. It's just such a. It's a. It's it's really like kind of the movie that people go to the movies for. Um, like mm-hmm. I again, I'm somebody who's agnostic, so I don't I don't believe any of this is true but i almost i watch this almost in the same way that i watch something like lord of the rings or star wars or something it's a big broad action adventure um sometimes horror movie sometimes disaster movie spectacle some game of thrones yeah. like thrown in it's it's got it's a giant it's like one of, it's like when you have after thanksgiving okay and you have mm. all of your leftovers on one sandwich <clears throat> it's not perfect <laughs> It's a little messy. It's hard to get. It's hard to get in your mouth. You can't get it all in one <laughs> bite, and it spills out. But you know what? It's so dang good, and you look forward to every time you see it. You like the cranberry. Do you do sauce. that all the time? Like, like after Thanksgiving? I, I do. You make yourself like I, a. Oh yeah, dude. Okay, it's so good. I mean, when 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 we do, because there's been a bunch of years where we ate at the restaurant my uncle works at, but um, when we do have like a more traditional Thanksgiving, we had one like actually, mm. ironically enough, 2020. Um, we cater. We got catering from a place, and we had it. And I had a bunch of you know gobbler sandwiches for a couple days, which let's go for is it. It's basically just <laughs> this movie. It is the gobbler <laughs> sandwich of film, <laughs> the, the gobbler sandwich of cinema. Um, but I mean, it, it's just. <laughs> I mean, even all the times that I've seen, and this is only your first time, you know. So I want to let you, you know, conclude your thoughts in a second, but. Sure. Um, for me, it, it, you know, because I know you, you know, and I like I, again. Thank you right. for being. No, 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 no. It's. <laughs> I figured. I figured this was mostly going to be like like you had a lot that you wanted to say. Yeah, so, so I really wanted to kind of. This will be a long 
this i'm wrapping up soon i promise i'm, I'm delaying the inevitable <laughs> no no you're fine um, it's, it's joey it's okay um, it's okay <clears throat> but no like it's a, again i say it's a movie i've seen so many times this is one of the earliest movie memories that i have um because mm. obviously like it plays around easter time so i remember being at my grandparents house easter time and i was a kid right. who could not sit fucking still and i yeah, was running I, around I, I was running around and I, I I remember going into my par- grandparents' like living room and the, the the parting of the Red Sea was playing, and that must mm-hmm. that must have been over 25, 25 you know years. I'm like almost thirty years old this year, so that is one of the earliest <sighs> earliest movie scenes I can remember. And I remember my mind going wh- as a child. Remember, I didn't know what the f word was. Like, what the fuck is going on, <laughs> Joey? What is that language? I was trying to be. <laughs> try to put you in that mindset um, but it's kind of like i think there's a comfort to it too because it's kind of one of those movies that's always been there and will always be there in a sense it is problematic yeah uh i need to open and close this this segment with that but it, like nefertiri and like ramses this is a movie is a messy bitch and i love it <laughs> <laughs> this is a messy bitch of a movie. No, um, I knew. I like I said, I knew you were like super excited because we planned this episode. What like around the time we started doing this at all? Because you got the four K in twenty twenty, didn't you? Twenty actually, it was twenty twenty one when I was looking at. Um, was, it, was it early early twenty twenty one? Something like that. Yeah, like like almost like around this time, I think maybe. Yeah, earlier days of this show, sure. And I remember, I remember you being so excited. Like you had your 4K, you were like, "You own two copies of this movie." Let it be known, Joey owns two 4K copies. Yes, because I got the steelbook <laughs> and I got the regular edition. Both had beautiful covers. <laughs> so, like, I remember him being so stoked about this, and he's like, "We got to get this on the show." And I was very hesitant, admittedly. Um, but I was like, "It's fine. It's cool, I guess." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so we uh we put it on the schedule but it took a long time this is literally this is a moment joey's if if we ended the podcast after this episode i think joey would be fine <laughs> which is a weird thing to say because we haven't talked about any of the indiana jones movies no like that would be like saying okay we're done and we did no batman like can you imagine that <laughs> it's strange isn't it but i feel like I feel like this is a pinnacle moment. Like this is this is like a highlight episode. It is, and I don't me. mean that in like a I don't mean that in like a bad way or anything. But it's like this is definitely like this is this is the moment. Like probably when, we've when, achieved when, something when you got like Scream on the show and a couple other movies that you're really like mm-hmm. Jones and the Get On. I'm like that's yeah. Listen, we got some of those episodes coming up pretty too. One of them is a Scream episode, <laughs> yeah. I do believe. So. <laughs> Because there's a lot of scream, but I'm so excited. Um, but uh, yeah, so I knew this was this. I knew this was coming, but I admittedly had my own reservations because you know, like I said at the top of this whole thing, and I'll I'll make mention of this probably again later. But like, there was that there was that a- aspect of like, I just inherently feel sort of at this point in my life, especially icky towards anything that makes me think of like religion because they immediately go because again not everybody's like this but i immediately think of that like like the way religion is handled and even the way especially in america people 
will constantly use religion as an excuse not to do something that yeah. they should be doing. Or like, like it's like it's almost like in, in a similar way, like you know, you can hear uh, an artist winning an award thanking God for it, while at the same time someone shot a kid and thanked God for that. And it's just the weirdest. It's a like, weird. It's such a weird thing. Hmm. Um, but again, not everybody's like that, so I don't want to make that insinuation whatsoever. Um, but it just gives me sort of a weird feeling. But the way you described your personal feeling, I think I would have felt the exact same way had I watched this movie in my early 20s. Mm. Because I think I would have looked at it from that lens of like, oh, this is like a grand mythological thing. And it is. It is that very much so. But I can't help but watch the movie and and see like Charlton Heston, um, the, the Moses in the film, like have that, that God first, Hebrews second, mentality and be very <laughs> turned off by it mm-hmm. because that essentially feels like how i know a lot of people treat if the especially very devout fellas and fellers and peoples and whatnot treat religion like you know like you gotta like you gotta honor honor god before anything else and that always just feels very weird to me um like the matters of not... like things that are on earth are of a secondary nature to, to yes abuse. that that always felt so weird so, to me. Not to interrupt you, but I, not, that's what I. But but I, I appreciate the clarification. Yep. Honestly, um, uh, but the, even that aspect was not even like the one that was most troublesome. Mm. <laughs> Though that was obviously a big aspect of it. The thing that I was very hesitant about was the Charlton Heston factor. Oh, yes. <laughs> this is his third time because <laughs> uh, famously, I don't care for Charlton Heston. But to put some clarification on that outside of because again like you said we've had him on the show a couple of times um because we talked what was the we talked about planet of the apes what was the other one the other one oh, the- well, oh yeah that's right <laughs> that's right for bible movies soiling this, green this is the vampires. proof of their power <laughs> <laughs> of course that was his scene the gun scene ne- um, never anyway. trust anybody over 30 <laughs> <laughs> oh no that's me uh <laughs> Damn it! I'm gonna be um, <laughs> Anyway, mm. so but like here's the context being that I first ever heard about Charlton Heston as the man before the actor. Yeah. Which is funny because like I had seen him growing up, I had seen him a couple of things. Like my parents would watch True Lies all the time. He's in True Lies. Um as like I think he's like the director of the whatever. I, I haven't seen the movie in a long time. And, of course, you know, I, I grew up with Hercules. He's the opening voice of that movie mm-hmm. until it switches away from him, thankfully, <laughs> to the to the muses uh, who sing gospel songs the whole time, which is fun. And they're genuinely, they're bangers. Yes. Honestly. Yes. That, that, there's a lot of incredible songs in Hercules. Um, now I'm just thinking about Hercules. Anyway, um, so... <laughs> I, I had seen him in some capacity, but I never knew him as Charlton Heston. I never knew him as, you know, in that capacity because I just didn't know who he was. Um, and so when I learned about Charlton Heston, the person, this was in his later years. This was when he uh, was against gun control. This is when he joined the NRA and became essentially like a mouthpiece for the NRA. And, yeah. You know, had like very famous speeches like he would do in these movies. Um this was during a time when he supported Reagan and Nixon. This was during a time when um, uh, he called it racist to um, not allow white actors 
to play non-white characters, which is very weird. Um, but tracks, oddly enough, as we're talking about this movie, because mm-hmm. um, he is neither Egyptian nor Hebrew. And um, so it's just like, you you have that bad taste in your mouth because that's how you know who he is. Yes. Initially. So before I had seen any of his major movies like Planet of the Apes or this or, you know, I'm sure we'll have something else. Maybe if we get Soylent Green on here at some point, maybe. Edward G. Um, Robinson's in that movies. one. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> it's made out of people. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, so um, that's that's always the unfortunate nature of that. You know, I knew him as this before I ever saw him as an actor. Right. And admittedly, I am someone that that does struggle with because like people are like, oh, why just separate art from artists? Like, it's not that easy. I think at least not for me. It's it's tricky. Like it's very tricky, especially because yeah. very tricky. Because yeah, no, no, no. Go. Yeah, if go I ahead. could bring this up, so honestly, weirdly enough, I think Charlton Heston is my Johnny Depp. Uh, <laughs> like yeah, but, no, in, in a lot of ways, yeah, because yes. it is somebody where are the, his their works were very influential in our formative years. Like I love yes. Planet of the Apes. Love Ten Commandments. Ben Hur is another movie you want to get on this show. That's he's incredible in that. I love Ome- yeah. Omega Man. Is so cheesy. I freaking love it. <laughs> and you know what? I actually kind of want to see Omega Man because you know I'm familiar with that story. But, but yeah, like, but, but it's, it's yeah. And obviously for you, Johnny Depp. I mean, I could list off so many uh, Johnny yeah, Depp I mean, pirates, Sleepy Mo- Hollow, like a lot of those early Tim Burton. Like movies, it's one of yeah. those. It's one of those things where if they didn't have the lives that they led, <laughs> there would be two dudes <laughs> Hall of Famers easily. Because like if they didn't continue, <laughs> it's sad to say. Like it's so mean. Like if they died, <laughs> like, perfect. Dead, but but it, it, yes, I, he's he, dead now. He, but he lived long enough to. He like, lived long enough to warrant. Like listen, he's never. And I have, I've made peace with that. And I I'm like <laughs> I wouldn't want him in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> but like it, but it's so interesting too because like when when we are talking about people who who became or were problematic and died it does make it easier obviously there's no question about that it makes it so much easier because we can watch these movies we can read these books we can do all this stuff like people can still celebrate the work of hp lovecraft because he's dead and a lot of his work has been handled by other writers more progressive writers less racist writers yeah and so we can celebrate things like cthulhu and all those characters um but if if H.P. Lovecraft was still alive and still owned the rights, like another writer, uh, um, I'm not gonna go into that. Um, then that makes it a lot harder. Yeah. To to like like so, in this instance, like you know, it was just such a it's such a strange thing, um, because he is dead. So it's like like pretty much everybody in this movie is dead at this point. Yeah. For the most part. Um, yeah. So so I so that should that should kind of come into play and be fine. But again, like I just have this framework for who he was as a person. Mm-hmm. And so it just makes it trickier to like. That's why I'm afraid to to get John Wayne on the show, even though, like, I know we're definitely he's definitely getting on the show. We're gonna get we're gonna get a movie of we're his. We're gonna get one for sure. I would say, but again, it, it's yeah. it's tricky because when they when the stuff some of the stuff that they support is so vile, it does make that exactly, yeah. separate. I mean, again, I as much as I enjoy Heston as a screen presence, you know. Um, like I was watching Secret of the Incas, and I'm like, <laughs> there was a scene. There was a scene in Secret of the Incas where he asks the archaeological team for a rifle, and they go, "We have no firearms." And I'm just, I, and my mind just immediately went to the the NRA shit, and I'm like, "Good <laughs> grief, damn it! Oh, oh god!" But, <laughs> <laughs> but oh my gosh, but it's so it's so tricky when you can't like not think about it. But um. What was funny, because like, we were watching this movie as well, 
I did sort of relate Trout and Heston from, you know, just reading about him, his life compared to Moses in the film, because like at the beginning I find Moses much more human. Yeah. He's, you know, he's not perfect. He's still, you know, allowing the slaves. He's still, he's still part of a terrible system. He's part of, he's part of an incredibly terrible system, but you know, he seems more likable. The slaves actually matter first and foremost. Like he wants to actually treat them better, let them eat, let them rest. Um, and he just comes off a little bit more likable. He granted he has all the the trademark Trout and Heston things I've seen in all of his movies so far. That there's at least one person horny for him, and he has to be like the presence outside of Yul Brenner, who's also just a beautiful presence in his own right. But yeah. um, mm-hmm. um, and so so at the beginning of it, I like it, and very similar to Trout and Heston in his early career, like he was against, he was for gun control, he was he was a advocate for civil rights. Like, you know, like he actually had very genuinely good values and then something happened. I don't know what, maybe he just got older. Maybe it was like, you know, like I, I saw, I saw something the other day. Someone was like, you know, rich people don't have, uh, they're not, they're not poverty stricken. So they have nothing to worry about. So they just try to find a problem mm. and it's usually like something that's really weird. So maybe that's what it was. Maybe he, he had garnered enough wealth and, and it was just like, you know what? I kind of like guns. <laughs> so I, I, I again, I don't want to. I don't mean it's to speculate. A, but I mean, it's also like, like because again, that that is a part of his per, like persona. Like it's part. Yeah. Of it. So it's it's tricky. Um. But you but you were saying like by the second half, he's a trans. He's a, almost a different character. He's a completely different person. Completely different person because he had that experience with the burning bush, and mm-hmm. now he's a, now he's the prophet Moses. He's Moses. As but he I, said. I also want to mention too the burning bush in that because um, God's voiced by somebody else later in the movie when they're doing the Ten Commandments. Heston voices the burning bush um, in that yeah. in that scene, um, and I love I do love his delivery. I am that I am. <laughs> that, I am. that needs that listen, is that is the quote. Yeah. If, if <laughs> that needs to be in the Hall of Fame of quotes. I'll 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 allow it. Because it's a, I'll, it's I'll, a funny it, yeah. but also epic line. But only because you do it so well. I am that Joe <laughs> Dan. Yeah, that's the only thing I want. <laughs> um, so like. <laughs> No, what we need to have have happen is get more Yul Brenner on the show, and Yul Brenner gets in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Listen, we could Westworld, Magnificent Seven. I mean, just... we talk about the King and I for whatever reason. <laughs> just, just throw it in there. We'll do it. We'll do it similar to like the, our, our Alien Invasion episode we did recently. We'll just do a triple Yul Brenner feature. Just go crazy. <laughs> I'm throwing it out there. The King. I'm and making the Magnific- Joey's dreams come the true. The King and the Magnificent Seven in Westworld. Boom. <laughs> the definitive Yul Brenner triple feature. That doesn't include the Ten Commandments. That's exactly the Ten Commandments. Oh my god. But anyway. Right. Yes. Anyway. So anyway. I didn't mean anyway. to derail so, your <laughs> no, 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 no. I liked I I I like a good derailment personally. Um but no, like when you get to that second half and he's changed, that feels more like modern day Heston. Where he feels more antagonistic and he feels more, you know, like, again, he's, like, it's just, it's such a strange thing to see someone be like, bow before God, and then be like, oh, and the slaves too. And it's just, it's such a, like, a, a weird sort of off-putting thing to, to, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
it makes sense. And in the context of, well, that's kind of what happened to Heston. He became this almost completely different person. Like he went from being a Democrat to a, he left the Democratic Party and became a Republican and and supported, like I said, he supported Reagan. He supported uh, Nixon. Sure. Um, and it was just such a strange thing. And so like we're watching the movie. I'm like, this makes me think of like how you watch the Mission Impossible movies and how especially in the later ones, Tom Cruise's like personal life seems to reflect Ethan Hunt's personal life mm-hmm. a little bit. And so like, like, I, like admittedly I can't help, but, but, but watch that movie and see uh, Michelle Monaghan. And she looks a little bit like uh, another person, Katie Holmes, who, <laughs> you know, was, uh, you know, someone was pers- was very in love with Katie Holmes as we saw in Oprah. <laughs> I'm in love with Katie Holmes. Uh, <laughs> so it kind of made me think of that a little bit it's like it's like art imitating life again not being able to separate it but now I'm intertwining it almost and sort made it sort of interesting to see it in that context I think I think the ultimate reason why I do find it so hard to separate the two is because like maybe this is gonna sound really pretentious maybe but I I have I make things you know, I, I like to write and I make videos and stuff. And I put a lot of me in those. You know what I mean? Like like this podcast is very much us. Like any like 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 when we had the episode with Gifford and Wikey, that felt like very Gifford and Wikey. Yes. Or like this feels like very us when we do this show. Or like when I make um my video about Fast and the Furious and I'm sitting there in my room with a projector playing clips from Fast and the Furious films and I'm sitting there in shorts and a Thor t-shirt that says family on it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's inherently me. Yeah. And so like, I feel like you just, and granted, obviously it's a very different medium, but like, I, at the same time, you just can't inherently, at least I can't separate those two because you put so much of yourself. So like Heston is very much Moses in this context. And then with that connection, it made it that much harder for me to separate it. That being said, like I did like, like this, this sort of leads into me saying like, I did have sort of like a, a weird experience. I didn't hate this as much as you expected me to No, which you gave it three stars. I did. I gave it three stars on letterbox. I mean, scores are trivial, but I did. Um, and, the thing was, um, I I found a lot to appreciate, and also there's that that general feeling of osmosis of when you watch something with someone, mm-hmm. and they're sure. having a particular experience, especially like if you've never seen the thing, you know you you tend to, and I'm I'm sure it's probably I imagine it's the other way around in, in many respects as well, but like you're watching something and you have that shared experience, so I'm able to see like you're like genuinely loving certain aspects like Gil Brenner, this everything you talked about, and I'm able to have. Uh, like that, that sort of same feeling through you and sort of appreciate like, you know what? He makes a really good point. Like outside of Heston, outside of like my, my sort of just unfortunate icky feeling I have towards religious things, um, which is um, again, that's just me. And I don't put that on anybody else. Um, I was able to watch this movie and go like, like the sets are incredible. Vincent Price is sassy as he always is. Yul Brenner is just posing like a statue all the time. Um, you know, nah. <laughs> Edward Just D. That. Robinson has a name. No, I understand he's got a name, but he will always be nah. <laughs> or I could do the thing from Looney Tunes. I know he is. <laughs> I don't know how he's done it, but I know 
got it! <laughs> oh my god! No, no! Oh my god! That's 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 Dathan yelling at um at at the Hebrews for putting the lamb's blood on his doorway. <laughs> I don't know how you oh, done, done, done it. How's I don't know you done it. Done it. <laughs> I, I think and that makes it needed, so much sweeter. You need to be dressed up as that gangster character in this movie. Yes, like they should have just yes. broke like the, the verisimilitude <laughs> of the movie and just had him as a gangster, as had him as Little Caesar from the nineteen thirty like nineteen thirties movie. And at the end, when he's at the bottom of like the earthquake crevice or whatever, and he goes, "Mother of mercy, is this the end of Dathan?" Which I probably already said like twenty billion times, but whatever. Anyway, this is a big movie. And I think yes. the time has come to conclude this thing. This is the exit music of this half, basically. Richard, thank you for indulging me very much uh, with this film. Um, we are going to take yeah. an intermission. And when we come back, Jeff Goldblum shows up. Stay tuned. <laughs> we're, we're, go- we're going back to Egypt. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> And we're back. Uh, we're talking about Cartoon Moses. It was okay. Bye, guys. <laughs> the face is the fa- is my favorite part every time. <laughs> Just okay. <laughs> Just for context. Before before we recorded this, um. <laughs> Um, we were talking, we were, we were, we were kind of pleased with ourselves about how the first half went. Um, yes. it was, you know, we were talking pretty eloquently, uh, about it. And I was like, I was just being honest. And you were like, well, you could have just went like, oh, I didn't like it. Cause child has to dicky. And then you're <laughs> it's like, well, you know, you sound like the next Roger Ebert. Good for you. Congratulations. What a, what a great goddamn. <laughs> Congratulations. So the moment you when that happened, have... <laughs> <laughs> the moment when that happened, I was like, yeah, that's how I'm starting the next episode, the next half. So, <laughs> so yeah, Cartoon Moses, guys, that's what we're talking about. Goodbye. <laughs> well, Cartoon Moses. Well, listen. That's all you listen. Need. listen. <laughs> Our our pre- our first film, Ten Commandments, a big success, huge success. We already discussed that part of it. Yeah. Um. Now we are talking about <laughs> probably if you are a, a person of our age or around our age, this is probably the the Moses story that you're most familiar with. If you're a person around our age, I am so sorry because <laughs> we're old. <laughs> sorry, Joey. <laughs> Well, at least, you know what? I'm three years older than you, so, you know, young man, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, fu- the funniest thing about this is I feel I feel like I am Moses. I have aged so much. I have a beard. <laughs> Speaking of presidents, you, you definitely have that. That president meant, like, you've aged ten years in, in a span of a week. <laughs> Speaking of presidents, though, we are talking about the Clinton administration era version of the Moses 
Exodus story. Tell tell me, my fellow American, uh, what's this? Uh, what's this film we're gonna be talking about this uh, this evening? What's, what? Uh, tell me what the, the what this film is. Hillary, shut up. So, so let me get let me get some let me get some Mickey D's. Monica, is that you? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> here we go <laughs> we are talking about the SKG that's uh, Spielberg Katzenberg and Geffen why doesn't he have a Berg in his last name that's a, it's, uh, it's a bit. that's a joke made by some jerk with the camera I don't care <laughs> I'm answer. Bill Clinton <laughs> listen ladies and gentlemen we're talking about DreamWorks production <laughs> of the Prince of Egypt, where he is barely that, the Prince of Egypt. That, he is the deliverer. He is not the Prince of Egypt for most of this movie. That, that there. This movie is the 1990s. Richard, why don't you take over for me? Because you seem uh, better equipped to discuss the matters of this. This is why you're in my presidential cabinet of discussing listen, Moses uh, listen, uh, adaptations. Uh, listen, 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 we've got here a fine film. <laughs> this here's a fine Ask film. Ask not what you can do for your double features. What, what your double features can do for you. We went straight. We went back in time. Four score and seven years ago. I watched The Prince of Egypt. I don't know how I Let did it. Let my people go. But I did it. I so, am George. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Paul. <laughs> this is wow. You know what? Well, just just to be transparent, this is the second time we're <laughs> recording this half, and I'm so we've glad. had a lot of issues I'm with rec recording this episode. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad we can still just like it's it's still the same vibes. I'm so happy. Listen, Prince of Egypt. listen, you gotta laugh. You gotta laugh. <laughs> Otherwise, you're crying. Otherwise, you're just dead inside. Uh, here we go. Uh, um, <laughs> the dead inside voice is just Bill Clinton again, like, I'm not alive anymore. <laughs> um, I've died, and I'm gonna stay dead. Well, anyway, so this is the Moses story as told through American animation. <laughs> This is the DreamWorks production. This is the this is early DreamWorks. It should also be mentioned too, yeah. because like when you think of DreamWorks, you're thinking of Shrek. I imagine How to Train Your Dragon, maybe that Turbo Snail movie. I don't know what you're into. Um, home, <laughs> you know, is that movie Home wasn't dude from Big Bang Theory? I don't remember. Um, I have no idea. I just know it's Home. Home. How 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 how. Oh, well, so anyway, uh, so so this is the early <laughs> days of Dream. This is before they they did the sort of computer animation style um, that started with Shrek and then Which, continued. Well, well, they also did ants. They did ants. That's true. And the, they didn't the they do El Dorado as well. El Dorado was in two thousand. Okay, so this is this is this was still like the before. <laughs> so in the beginning, in the beginning, there was. Val Kilmer. Um, so and God said, let there be a mainstream animation studio that's not Disney. And there was that. And they made Shrek. That's that's pretty good. That's a good start. So, this is the early days, but, and they did some of their, listen, some of their 2D animated stuff is really gorgeous. Genuinely. When you really, 
look at it and they were making some they were making a couple of really interesting movies at this point i'm not an ants fan but this is a really interesting movie in concept like, and like a lot of it the approach a lot of it not to cut you out but like the the approach the approach of it was definitely like what can we do that disney can't mm-hmm. like w- like disney is is a very specific brand We've talked about it a lot on this show, as you know. We've been there quite a few times. Joey's been there a lot more than I have. So we, we were very familiar on what Disney is and what the brand is. Um, and so Jeffrey Katzenberg is like, I want to make animated movies that Disney probably would turn away or just say, nah, let's not do that. Movie, like, Disney's not making movies where there's rivers of blood. You know, you know, no, no. no. Um, the close, the like, the closest thing to like, you know, really intense stuff that Disney's probably made is the Black Cauldron, maybe, as far as like animated stuff, or maybe some other things. But like, they're not doing, they're not doing River of Blood, especially not Bible stuff. Like the closest mm-hmm. like thing, religious thing I could think of with Disney is like in Fantasia when you have the Ave Maria, yeah, um, at the end of Fantasia, and or I think of like Hunchback. And like a lot of the mm, Catholicism, th- thank you. In that. Yeah, yeah. Right. But like again, yeah. that's based on a book that is just has Catholicism as as a drape. Right. It was a, essentially it was a known it was a known book. Yeah. Um, but outside of so, but outside of that, you know, they're not they're not doing Noah. They're not doing Moses. They're not doing any of these guys. They're not doing Jesus. They're just they're just telling good old stories that everyone can enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas. Jeff Katzenberg's like, I want to do Ten Commandments because I like that movie, so I want to do that. So, yeah. So we get not that that's as simple as it was, but that's I imagine that was a that was a factor in, in cut that came into play to make this movie. Well, you know, I was also saying this to you because I was thinking about Pocahontas mm-hmm. in that's relation right. yeah, to that you, because you did I, mention that yeah because it almost it's like Pocahontas Pocahontas slash Lion King and Prince of Egypt slash Shrek feel oddly similar honestly yeah. because one of them one of them was the prestige production one of them with pocahontas was that one mm. prince of egypt was was that one and then the other one was sort of seen as like a b-tier project mm-hmm. or something that got kicked in the can and i was hearing that people who were fired from prince of egypt went to shrek and then it was like <laughs> and then look at shrek shrek we're still getting shrek movies listen we're still getting shrek movies um it, shrek has a musical i don't think prince of egypt but the musical I'll have to double check on that. But <laughs> basically, but but basically, like, I think their mentality was they wanted to make an animated movie, I think, that that could be, like, taken somewhat seriously on some level. Like, I think that's why maybe make some awards make, and... Yeah. Make some awards buzz, maybe. But this one, we won an Oscar for a song, but that's, like, you know, bread and butter for a lot of animated movies. Yeah. Especially Disney ones, anyway. And, I mean, but again, when you have something that's, like, religious, it's a very, it's a very tricky thing to um to do because people are either familiar with the ones from like Cecil B. DeMille, you know, or like the thing the stuff that they've seen, like like Jesus of Nazareth and all these mm-hmm. other all these other things. And even or, just like how religious someone is that's watching it. Because again, people take a lot of this stuff very close to heart. Yes. So like so admit it so like when the movie starts, like I was saying, it has that whole opening um like like disclaimer essentially that's what it feels like a disclaimer honestly it's like this is the story of exodus we did have to change some things or rework some things but this is this is the story of exodus we feel like this is it captures the heart of the story yeah you know and what it represents to millions of people and i think that was i didn't i because I, I haven't seen this probably since the 90s mm-hmm. um early 2000s so it's been over 20 years for me 
And uh, I do like that that is there because it means like, like, like any story, things are going to change over time and different adaptations have to do different, different things um, mm-hmm. differently. It's weird to think. Cause like, I feel like the way people are, especially with like adaptations of like comic books or, or history or anything like that. Cause obviously they change so much. Um, and I'm like, I, I remember like we're watching it and I'm like, why don't they do this for other movies? Just to be like, Hey, this is fake. <laughs> this is real. It's like, just calm down. Especially in front of, like, superhero movies. Just like, listen, this is real. <laughs> just to let you know, but enjoy it nonetheless. Um, I, I, I'm mostly kidding on that. But, um, but like, with historical stories especially, like, you know, I, I was, I'm thinking about, like, how The Woman King, when that came out, and with that movie, you know, it's it's telling this, like, powerful story of this, like, tribe of black women that were strong and fierce and protected their tribe in Africa, um, and uh, especially during, like, the slave trade and stuff. But if you look in the history, that very tribe and those warriors were also very much a part of the slave trade in Africa and contributed to it. As um, But in the movie, I think, I think the Viola Davis character is fake, if I remember reading correctly. I think that's a fictional character. Don't quote me on that. Um, but like they, so the so, so the woman king might be not real. <laughs> I just want to. Okay, that's what I want. Yeah. Okay, so don't quote me on it. But I I I think she's fictional. We'll we'll look we'll look more. But you know, again, with all these, it's it's hard when you again, especially this. This is like a hunt. Like like with with credits, it's a hundred barely a hundred minute movie. Yeah. You know, and like we compare it to the Ten Commandments, which is able to go over everything that it Listen, wants to. That was the the most intense contrast for both of us watching this movie because we spent two days, literally two days, watching yeah. the Ten Commandments. Because right after the intermission, we stopped, and then we came back literally the next day and finished it. Um, and it was such a weird experience. To, to transfer from that movie to this movie, which is only like an hour and a half, where they cover more or less a lot of the same stuff, but they do it in such a way, like like the whole opening sequence is essentially like Moses' childhood and like, you know, the basket across the river and um, some of the little tweaks that they made here and there, but... It and, it and it was done through song, which that's the that's one of the powers of like the musical structures that you can kind of go through a lot, like montage a lot of different things through song. But they do that a lot in this movie. They do they do it a lot, and I don't always think it's very effective. The transition, it's not, yeah, um, you know, and I think that's that's to me the movie's biggest failing is it's it's trying to cover so many bases while also cramming a lot of it together to to tell the story and in, 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 in the link that it needed to so that was especially I think the biggest contrast ultimately which is how crazy it because, was because I'm sure you were amazed at how much time in the in Ten Commandments they spent on him as Egypt. the Prince of Egypt yeah you know as, as a Prince of Egypt um, and then this movie I feel like it's like you said it was like a half it's, hour. It didn't even feel like a half hour. <laughs> like, 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 I was like, you know, a half hour is gone, right? Or like when we got to the end of the movie, I was like, you know, we're almost done, right? Like, what? We haven't even got to the golden calf? The tablets? He hasn't even part of the Red Sea yet? Where is 
where is Dave? <laughs> but anyway, um, but it's the story is the same basic gist, but they have to condense a lot of things. Like for example, the character of Seti, uh, played by Patrick Sir Patrick Stewart here, but he was played by Sir Cedric Hardwick in the um, original film. Seti in the original film was not the pharaoh that ordered the deaths of the the Hebrews, um, the Hebrew firstborns initially. Uh, but in this one, they condense it to make it that th- those those characters the same characters. So he's the father figure, but also the guy that could have killed Mo- could have killed Moses yeah. um, when he was when he was a baby. So that makes it potentially really fascinating territory to dig into. They that don't kind of get pushed don't, over. They, they just like they show him a mural. You know, um, which is admittedly a really cool animated sh- animated sequence. That, that's one of the scenes that I liked the best because it yeah. was it's the medium of animation where it, it's a great storytelling thing where you can tell a lot of information in a in a short short space, but also in abstract style to where you don't have to depict things directly. Yeah, you know, and but like that's kind of like the crux of it, and then they just kind of move on. They kind of just move on. Also, the queen, uh, Helen Mirren, yeah. I think. The he- uh, Hel- Helen Mirren this. plays the queen. <laughs> but Which is weird because in the other film, Bithia is like a se- like, is not like the queen. No. of. She's not yeah. married to Seti or anything like that. She's, you know, um, she's just another, like, you know, she's royalty, but she's a different, per- you know, she's not. It's a weird thing to have to, con- have to condense things. Um, also, Aaron doesn't do much in this <laughs> movie except complain. Outside of the condensing of everything, I think that was your biggest takeaway. Is just that, like, my quote on Letterbox is Joey going, "I am Jeff Goldblum. I've done nothing." Because, <laughs> uh, like, because he, he's Aaron. Uh, obviously, in the other movie, uh, John Carradine is hanging out with Moses as they're going to the Pharaoh, performing these performing these miracles in front of the Pharaoh and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and you know. Um, they effectively use John Carradine's, you know, voice and presence as an actor. And Jeff Goldblum's a great actor. We talked about him here before. We'll talk about him in other movies after this. But mm-hmm. in this movie, he's just the guy who complains. Like, he's the guy who's just like, he doesn't want to rock the boat. But eventually he comes over to Moses, basically. You know, it's it, whatever. Whatever. But also, the other thing we noticed, too, is his face was oddly cgi Yeah, like, we're not we're not saying... They had to CG Aaron the whole time, but if they said they did, we would totally believe it. Yeah, because there was a beautiful shot of all, like all like the whole family together. Um, you know, you know, like Moses, Moses' wife, um, who's not Lily Munster, it's Michelle Pfeiffer this time <laughs> around, and and like it, with, with Miriam played by Sandra Bullock. It's a nice thing, and then you see Aaron, and it's just like almost like an uncanny valley. It was taking me out of the movie. Like, what is happening right now? What is this? But also, again, we also address too, like the casting of this stuff is very strange. It's listen, the cast in this movie, in any other, in any other context, in any other movie, would be a stacked cast. Because like, listen, you got Jeff Goldblum, incredible actor. You got Sandra Bullock, incredible actor. Michelle Pfeiffer, um, I have uh, been in love with her since I was a kid, and I will never not be in love with her. She is one of my all-time favorites. Um, you got Ray Fiennes. Uh, Alfred, him, uh, uh, Lego Alfred, which he's coming up pretty soon. Uh, uh, fun fact. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got um, uh, Danny Glover, also a, an incredible actor. And, of course, uh, two dudes, Hall of Famer himself, Mr. Val Kilmer, um, one of my favorites, one of Joey's favorites. He is our title character, which I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. <laughs> 
Moses is Superman. We've discussed this. There's that connection. And yet, for some reason, in the history of cinema, of the two times in, in recent memory, they decided to adapt the story of Exodus. One of them called the movie Exodus, one of them being this. Both times, Moses is played by an actor who played Batman. What the fuck? <laughs> Nerd! <laughs> yes. <laughs> and. <laughs> point, point taken, point taken. Um, but I think Val Kilmer is really good in this movie. He, he's incredible. Um, I mean, it should have been a Superman actor, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, he is he is very good. We commented on the fact that, like, we couldn't tell it was Val initially. Um, initially, no. When he was playing the younger Moses uh, as the Prince of Egypt, which, listen, like, it's one thing when you get, like, incredible actors. Because, like, obviously these days, you know, they want a lot of name, a lot of names attached to your animated project as opposed to voice actors, which that's a whole that could be a whole video. That could be a whole episode of something. Um, uh, but when you get a, when you get a, an actor who's actually like putting, putting their best foot forward and actually like giving good performance and not just like playing them, giving their own voice, you, you love it so much. And Val's definitely doing that. Like he's, cause he's, again, he's one of the best. And um, he is like, you just can't tell. The whole time, the only time we could tell that it was Val Kilmer was when, because uh, later on in the film, you know, we get to the burning, burning bush sequence, and very similar to what they do with uh, the Ten Commandments, the Cecil B. DeMille, they have Val Kilmer voice God, and that's the only time it's really you can really tell it's Val, but you're okay with it. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, because Val's got a great, got a great voice, mm-hmm. and there are moment moments of intensity that the, that God has to bring forth it, it it's also weird too because you have Hetup, hotep and hoy played by steve martin and martin short and <laughs> who we love we love immensely but it is also just like this would not happen it's the weirdest is very strange like we talk about the casting in the 56 film and at least we could say that was a film from 1956 this is a movie from our lifetimes so this is a, this is from '98, and the cast is is as white as as can be. White. Now there might you know I don't know everybody's like specific religious thing or the whatever, but is is especially with like the Egypt you have Sir Patrick Stewart, uh, uh one of the whitest people, <laughs> playing an Egyptian pharaoh. <laughs> we have Helen Murin, the playing the queen. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very it's very weird but uh, you know that's that's par for par for the course with with these things unfortunately yeah at, like at least they're sort of pointing it out now but like at the same time like you know there's still it's still happening today so, so like hopefully yeah here here's my other things too with this movie yeah. this is movie is much less of like a like a almost the other one feels more like a almost in some ways a revenge movie Insert, not a re- totally revenge movie, but like yeah. this movie, it feels like Moses is is like a genuine, a more like a more human character, right? Who is humbled by the presence of God, and there's all these, you know, wild things happening. But you know, I just, I just get, I, it's, it's a very strange, um, kind of. St- it's like, listen, mm-hmm. sorry, no, you can no, no, because no, my point, like, right. like, because when Moses in in that movie. 
or at least in in, in this movie, it feels more very much more like a, a very much spiritual journey. But he doesn't change as a person. Mm-mm. Whereas Moses, after he encounters the burning bush in the original film, really go like goes through it, like really goes through a change. But also, even after like the plagues, of, the plagues of Egypt have happened and all that, he is like he's a different character versus what we saw him in in the first half of the movie. And that's the thing, because like you were asking me, because like. When we, when we finish, every time we watch a movie, we post on Letterboxd, and we're always, like, anticipating what the other's going to say. It's, like, it's like a, an exciting aspect of it. So It is. The fact that I gave both this and the previous film three stars on Letterboxd, like, shook Joey to his core. Yes. Because <laughs> he thought I he he because he thought I was gonna I was gonna have more disdain towards the, the initial one and have more of a positive reaction to this one. However, so... You have the original film. You have Charlton Heston. You have, you have him playing Moses. Um, when he has the burning bush moment and he changes, he becomes a complete asshat. <laughs> but, like, God first, everybody else second. But it makes sense. Like I, like, I was trying to, you know, illustrate. Like, it makes a lot of sense. But I hate the fact that he's an asshole. So it's a very mixed bag. It's very just, mm. Now we have this version. With an actor I love, mind you, um, playing Moses, where he's a lot more likable. He's putting people before anything else, but he's also talking about you know the will of God and going forth with the will of God. But even that feels like very pure flixy and very off-putting in its own way. But it's that same mixed sort of feeling that I have. So in many ways, that's sort of a perfect metaphor for like why I think I feel the same way for both of these movies ultimately within different contexts. So like I, I look at, I look at this movie and I see Moses's journey and I'm like, he's a much more likable character. Val Kilmer's doing a great job. I, I I feel the more mythological aspect of it. Yeah. Cause I, cause you can do more with animation ultimately, which I think is a is a massive bonus um, for stories like this, but there is a more because like like I like I said at the end of this, this is a '90s Moses telling. <laughs> like, this is very much a '90s because like they wouldn't tell the old a more Old Testament style story. I think in the '90s versus in the '50s, but it's also like the plagues of Egypt. Okay. Now the there like in the in the movie it's like oh wow look at the magic of god as these people have boils on them they're dying uh there's hail and it's just like oh it's god and then the river turns to blood and you're just like 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 it's more ominous and it's it doesn't settle one way or the other but it feels a lot more like like you're saying like oh as opposed but, to like cuz I, I tell you the second half in the in the Heston one is a disaster movie where things are really scary, really big. Yeah. Like people are like, like even like the Hebrews, when they see the Egyptians getting flooded and the charioteer is getting like drowned by the wrath of God, they are gasping. They are screaming. It is a scene of horror. This one is like, it's okay, guys. <laughs> it's okay. We're going to turn the water into blood. It's all good. It's all right. Listen, it's, it's just cool. God. It's just God. It's like it's like if you're it's like CCD teacher was a nice person, but then like, oh yeah. So so then then uh, they killed the the firstborn of Pharaoh. What? 
No, 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 it's fine. It's it's totally okay. No, listen, you you don't get it, but it got, Pharaoh sort of sort of caused it, and and God just took took it and ran with. What do you mean? This is insane. A kid is dead. No, God no. is scarier than um than, than Freddy, Freddy and Jason. Yes. <laughs> the one time in this movie that you feel like the sort of wrath of God thing, and this was this was a really cool sequence. When the tornado of fire shows up, because because listen, in the other one, there's a, there's a tornado of fire, and I admire what they did back then. But it obviously looks like okay, this looks like a cartoon tornado of fire in the real, real landscape. Yes, this movie because everything's animated, and you have that added ability of being able to do a little bit more in certain aspects with animation. Yes, um, th- uh, <laughs> you you just see this spiral of fire after the water has parted and it just strikes down on the ground and both joe and i are like (laughs) that was the one thing i thought was was better in this one um (laughs) for me personally because because i'm like i'm looking for things where i'm like and there are some good things and i can see why people like this version so much but like for me personally I'm just like, other than the way the tornado of fire is, which is fucking, the pillar of fire is fucking awesome. It creates this wall of fire, and you're like, oh, shit! You know? <laughs> Everything else, I'm just like, this feels like like the 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 Spark Notes um, Ten Commandments. It does. It's the CCD it really does. Spark Notes Ten Commandments. Um, like Ramses feels like, like a bro, and I'm like, no, I want my Ramses is Yul Brenner, is a, who is a, is a messy, sassy, messy, bitch. sassy, masculine bitch. bitch, who has a cape. <laughs> I think Dude, a great, wait, I think wait, a, wait, wait, wait. Oh, okay, Speaking okay. of Superman, Yul Brenner would have been a fantastic Lex Luthor. I agree, honestly. Like, just you just see him, and he's got that presence. Just picture him in a white suit. Just picture. I'm just imagining him, this old, diseased maniac, turned out to be your banker, mind <laughs> over muscle, Superman. <laughs> mind over muscle. Obey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, but like That's, I relate to that. But going back, but to, like I think, yeah. Sorry, I think a good, I think a really good comparison point is the pestilence bit mm. because you you have. In the original film, you have not to just make this just a comparison piece, but um, you have the original film, which has like that really creeping moment with the smoke and the green light, and just like the constant like feel of dread as the smoke slowly creeps its way. Like the way that they did that is was really effective, honestly. And then you have this movie, and where it has the power of animation, so it can do something a little bit more magical or a little bit more insane, and they make. Uh, pardon the description, but they make a butthole in the sky <laughs> that shoots light out of it, and then and then essentially just like whips its way through the through the village mm. and kills all the firstborns. Yeah, that don't like any any house that doesn't have lamb's blood painted on the lintel and the and the other parts. Um, <laughs> I forgot, sorry, uh, but it's okay. Um, like the lights just like whipping through the one like there there was sort of an ominous creepiness to it because there was like kind of quietness and there wasn't really a lot of music so i will say it was effective in some regard mm-hmm. like the bit when you see a little kid just walk into his house and then the the light whips in and then you just hear the pot drop and you see a hand fall out right. of like, the yeah. open door frame that that like the moments like that were pretty effective but you just don't feel because it's so quick 
because the imagery just doesn't have the same level of creepiness because again this is also during a time when we're they're getting new technology and they're able to like try new things and add new things and see how well how effective that can be um so and i respect that and i like that they did that but at the same time it just it just doesn't have the same feel or creepiness that the that initial scene had because the other initial scene too is that because a lot of this is about having faith in god right yeah and like faith in god it's a scary thing like you're like okay i'm hearing all these people outside dying and we're we're in here are we going to be okay even with the lamb's blood are we sure this is going to work like, like, just like, wait. Like, like Moses is Moses doesn't seem seems so unbothered by it, you know. And Moses yeah. is just like, yeah, come on, Joshua, you know, blah blah blah. Remember Eleazar, this is the blah blah blah, and people are like, <laughs> oh my God, Johnny, what are you? Ah! Be done. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, this is this is like I think there there are some good songs songs in here. I mean. You're playing with the big boys now. I can't believe we went this long without talk. Listen, there is a scene where obviously Moses shows that he can turn the staff into a snake, right? It's in both of these. That's in now. Okay, that this was the most surprising moment of the whole thing. <laughs> this, like, yeah, this, this is listen. the other thing that was better. This is the only other. <laughs> this is the only other thing that was better. Just listen, listen. All right, the casting is weird, but you know what? Steve Martin, Martin Short, they're brilliant performers it was really weird when steve martin took out a banjo in this movie but anyway (laughs) it's just such a strange moment he just starts anyway Uh, so so, you know because because in the initial in the original movie we have moses turning or not really moses moses handing it to aaron and aaron turning the the stick to a snake um because aaron does nothing in this movie (laughs) i have jeff goldblum I've done nothing. Uh, <laughs> then he, and then your brother um, has like two sticks, and he turns those into snakes. He's like, "What, bitch? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How, come on, come at me!" This time, however, um, <laughs> Ray finds as Ramses gets goes goes to level eleven with the sassy response and says, "Oh." <laughs> Oh, okay. You you think that's cool? You turned your little your little twig into a into a cobra. <laughs> Guess what, boys? And then out of out of, you got Steve Martin as a as a short little pudgy guy. <laughs> you got Martin Short as a tall sort of gangly guy, and they're singing. You're playing with the big boys now. They're they're busting out this amazing number. They're ta- they're talking about all the different Egyptian gods, guys showing just, symbols. I just want to say, I wish this was a video podcast because Richard's like shaking his shoulders, like he's like having fun right now. <laughs> <laughs> like he's at a club, like dancing with somebody, and I just want you to know the pure joy that's on this man's face discussing probably the best scene of the movie. It's quite literally, like, I told Joey once the scene was over, I'm like, this movie's gonna suck the rest of the time. <laughs> I, I said to him, like, this is the complete opposite of um, of the original, where, like, the first half is like, okay, maybe it's a little boring, whatever, and then the second half is like, <laughs> <laughs> And so, so, they're like, they're dancing, they're like, you know, you're playing with the big boys now, they're dropping it, they're <laughs> dropping it like it's hot. They, they they bust out two sticks. They turn them into snakes. I was a little bit disappointed because I wanted them to turn into snakes, but it was fine. It worked. I liked it still, nonetheless. And I wanted I, I if we we never really rewind because it takes a lot of just to be like 
can you pause for a second? Can we rewind and watch mm-hmm. that again? We've never done that, and I don't. I would never ask Joey of that. This was the first time, I think, in a while I might have said, hey, can we pause a second? I kind of want to backtrack and see that again, because that was fantastic. It was. <laughs> yes. I agree. The, o- the only thing that would have made it better is if Selena Gomez was there. <laughs> yes. Agreed. That would have been the, that would have been like, peak peak perfect moment in the history of cinema whereas whereas in this instance it's just the best moment in the movie let me mention some other positives the some of the framing of the shots is spectacular one of my oh, favorite yeah. shots is when Ramses is yelling at Moses and he's in front of like the hieroglyph of his dad and he points at points at Moses it's so mm-hmm. just like in your face or like um when they when do Seti- that they do that sort of framing a lot a in lot, the movie, and it's which is really but, effective. But that's when the movie is at its best, though. When it's like, boom! It's it, it makes me think of like the straightforwardness of like the original in like a different yeah. way because the original will portray things with costume and set design. This is like because it's animation, can be a little more exaggerated. I love the shot of Seti, and there's the the Sphinx head, the the, the statue of Seti in like the distance, mm-hmm. you know, and it sort of lines up with him as he's conversing with Moses, and you're just like, God damn, this is amazing! Like you, like. Like you feel the power of the pharaoh just from that one image, right? Um, and and even just like the way they like like I look at the the parting of the Red Sea because that's really the 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 main sort of moment as far as the ending of this movie because we were watching the movie and like I was saying earlier, you know, we were like an hour and seventeen minutes in. And I'm like Joey, we're almost done, <laughs> and we get to the we get to the part of the Red Sea. And it's like it like shoots up like spikes, and like it swoops up. It looks like a PS Five, <laughs> <laughs> and it's this massive wall of water. We get this beautiful scene. This was something I wish was kind of in the original, but obviously, you know, they probably couldn't achieve it because it's like a very technical thing. But um, when you see like them walking um, across the Red Sea, and you see the ocean floor, like it actually looks like the ocean floor. It's craggly. It's bumpy. It does not. It, it does not look like the topography you would see, like above sea level, right? Um, and then you also see the uh, a whale pass in the water, which that imagery like is like, whoa! <laughs> like that's that that was pretty incredible. Like just like the, just with that sort of frame, the framing work in this movie is on point, honestly. Um, but. That whole that whole sequence, I was just like really incredibly impressed by. Um, I forget what the point I was leading towards, but I just was really impressed by that. But but there were some there were some incredible moments in this movie yeah. where like the the framing creating an emotional response and making you have like a subconscious like thought about these characters. Um, I think yeah. is, is pretty is pretty remarkable and pretty extraordinary. I will say I kind of like I, I I do agree with you. I that I think in the first movie I do like the relationship with Ramses and Moses a bit better just because it's like that antagonistic like you know classic sort of fa- fable like I'm gonna get the throne you're not, you're not getting the throne like that sort of thing like in this one they present Ramses and Moses as like brothers like they have a bond or relationship so that when we get to that moment when they have to become antagonistic to each other it does hit yeah like like it, it like I, i'll give him credit for that like it actually like you like there's that like, when we talked about when uh moses comes back and and confronts ramses and he's like is it the wrath of god or is it or is it the wrath of whatever the line was or is it the wrath of you or whatever wrath of moses uh, uh wrath of moses and so it's like 
um like that was like that struck a chord because it's like it's personal now i mean because i also going back to i was also thinking about noah when thinking about both these movies and i think 10 commandments is more, has more in common with noah than this yeah. movie the the aronofsky film yeah the aronofsky thank you because in noah he, he is he goes basically insane he does he does he becomes an <laughs> asshole but also loses his mind he loses his mind, and I just believed that by the end of the Ten Commandments, Moses's brain was fried at like 120 years old, <laughs> and he just walks off into into the desert, whatever. He's like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm just gonna go rest now. But but like but like this idea of like the power of like power of God is is a scary thing. Faith is a scary thing. Mm-hmm. Is God because what because Moses had to be thinking subconsciously what if god doesn't part the red sea here what if god what if the the pillar of fire didn't work what if this what if like all these things we'd all be dead like you have to like because moses is not the one performing these miracles he is just the vessel he's just the conduit if you will yes he's the middleman you know for for the for the hebrews and god listen the space, the thing between the head and the hand must be the heart. It's, it's metrop- yeah, Metropolis. Metropolis reference. I see you're you're a fellow philosopher. <laughs> Seven deadly sins. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wang is a great scientist and has a robot hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rotwang. We'll talk about that movie at some point. We will. We definitely got to get to that. That one's got some religious things in it as well. But anyway, but this. You know, again, it sounds like we're very negative on this movie. I think I think um, we're mixed. Ultimately, I think is like the, I think at least I I know I'm fairly mixed, but I think you you had a bit more of a positive experience than I did. I came down liking it, but I was really I was really taken aback by how much like yeah shortening that it really did affect my viewing of it. And part of that might just be because I am a huge fan of the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. movie. I make no apologies for that. And with a four hour oh, movie, wait, 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 hold on. <clears throat> Nerd! <laughs> Thank you. I am <laughs> that I, I am. <laughs> I felt that was a great time to come in. <laughs> you know, you had you had to do the clap back at some point. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> this is a two dudes um, show, therefore we all we both have our our, our moments. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um so <laughs> I'm just, so sorry if I threw you off. I just just you you but like it, the condensing just, of the movie is I think you were talking about. The condensing and it might have I wonder if we had watched The Prince of Egypt first. I honestly feel like we would have I I I genuinely feel like we would have felt differently. Um I think it does I think a big factor, definitely, at least not to speak for you, I think you love that first movie so much. Like, you have such a connection with yes, it. Yes, right. So That's a huge factor. Of it's so all when we go into that second movie, especially after having watched for two days that first film, and just how... It'd be like if we watched Justice League and then watched Eternals, and Eternals is only an hour and a half long. <laughs> I Maybe. <sighs> But this is also why we don't we don't want we don't do too many remake episodes or too many no. adaptation because episodes. This is, but like, this one, I think it was yeah because like this movie wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the Cecil B. DeMille version. I think yeah no absolutely not 
because you have to imagine that the people making that movie were very were very familiar with that movie. I mean, I mean, like I remember, I think I, I might have been a defunct land video where they were talking about Jeffrey Katzenberg, and they were talking about how like he wanted to do in animation what Cecil B. DeMille did with Ted Commandments with that with that second adaptation. Because, like, when you think of animation, like, there's a lot of genuinely epic moments in animation because you can do so much with animation. Yes. Um, you know, just just moments that I can think of. Like, obviously, I think the think of the end of The Lion King or I think of um, Ursula turning into a giant sea witch. And that, that scene, like, every time I see that in Little Mermaid, I'm like, how is that in this movie? <laughs> I would not, did not expect that. Or um, going even further back, thinking of moments like Chernabog and, uh, and Fantasia is so... It's so frightening, but also so intense and epic and, and insane to see a, a sequence like that. So to apply that sort of vibe and, and approach to to a biblical narrative like Moses does make a lot of sense. Um, yes. I think it would have benefited if they were making it a little bit longer. <laughs> but, you know, animation especially has like a certain... I, I... But you know what? Lately, though, if this movie had been made, not that it would be made today because of the climate that we live yeah. in, but, like, if this movie was made, like, 10, 15 years later, because, like, think about The Incredibles 2. That's, like, an almost two-hour movie. It is. If it was yeah. almost two hours, I think they could have, I think they could have covered the ba the necessary bases. Yeah. Uh, that they, and I'm not somebody who, advoc like, doesn't normally advocate for longer movies, unless it's, like. Especially not in like, animation. Like, not I feel like, animation. I feel, like, Usually, I feel like animation works really well in like hour and a half format. Hour and a half, you know, maybe a hundred minutes. Um, not that I wouldn't watch like a two-hour animated movie or three-hour one even, but no, just, I mean, just listen, to put like, that with there. anything, <laughs> with anything, if it's good, like listen, Seven Samurai is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's three and a half hours long. Mm -hmm. Most of my favorite movies are not three and a half <laughs> hours long, guys. Like King Kong, hundred minutes. Indiana Jones, just shy of two hours. Casablanca, like a hundred minutes. This is what, and I love a lot of stupid Boris Karloff Lugosi <laughs> seventy-minute <laughs> horror movies where it's like slightly spooky, and then the end scene is a little fun, and then the roll credits, you go home satisfied. That's the kind of moviegoer that I am. But like Ten Commandments for me is like an uh, is like is like um is several deviations from what I normally enjoy with things because normally I don't enjoy four-hour movies. Yeah, but actually, you know what? Actually, if it was like two hours, 20 minutes or something like that, that's like where I get like, because I need to feel like <laughs> I'm getting a complete experience. And sometimes I feel like that two, two ten, two twenty, is an awkward, not that we're, this is so weird. We're, we're talking talk about the Bill Clinton era Moses story and I'm getting into movie run times. But it's, this movie, but it's an important thing. It's important. I, I also admire this too, because this was the highest grossing non- Disney non-Disney animated movie of its time. Mm -hmm. It made over two hundred million dollars on a seventy million dollar budget, which is pretty good. Not terrible. Yeah, um, solid. You know, especially for the subject for the subject matter, because again, you know, people take this stuff very seriously, as we indicated mm -hmm. um, in our first half. And uh, you know, it, it can be kind of tricky. It, how do you market this thing? Like how again, you, like, the the posters give you no indication that this is about Moses. Like I changed my nothing. poster on let, I changed my poster on Letterbox to have it be like Moses and Mo Moses as like we know Moses and Ramses. You know what? That's responsible. I think 
that's that's responsible. I think you, I think you made a good call because the the like the initial poster that's just like the head, like it's like the the cutout of his head, and then you just see it, like a chariot, like Prince of Egypt. Okay, yeah. There's Egyptian things like the sort of typical things you would see on like a poster about Egypt uh, for a movie. But at no point are you gonna watch this movie and think Moses. Obviously, no. I want to get a, like a custom cover of my Blu-ray to have it have like mm-hmm. Moses, like Moses as we know him, on the on the cover because it's just very it it feels mm-hmm. misleading because I, I have it to does. imagine if somebody like because a lot of because a lot of these DreamWorks movies have like the same cover where it's like a a basic color background and a character looking like snarky or whatever yeah. right on this one it, it it's 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 Moses and his wife. And I'm like, okay, what does that tell me? <laughs> what's what? What's the uh, what's going on with this? <laughs> what is what is, what is like, this? Um, I think even the new 4K coming out, the cover is just like it's not base as basic as that, but it's it's again no indication it's about Moses because because every shot is the, like with him with the wig on. Yeah, sorry, and and they don't know what to do. they don't know what to do. No, with the I feel like they don't know what to do with this kind of movie. Um, you know. But again, so I do admire it for a lot of things. We talked about a lot of this stuff, like the framing, playing with the big boys now is a a, a great song. That sequence will go into the Hall of Fame for sure. It will. And the tornado. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and the tornado of the tornado of fire will be just an iconic character in its own right. Yeah. <laughs> that that'll 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 get like uh, a number five spot in our next uh, our next two dudes hall of fame <laughs> number five doesn't even the ha- tornado doesn't even have a doesn't even have a, a, have a character it's, it's the tornado of fire it slapped it ripped real hard and you know what because it's god it talks like val kilmer bonus <laughs> yes um but i think ultimately with these two movies it is two very, very different eras in filmmaking. Very. I mean, f- over very. over 40 years apart, okay? And, you know, you're dealing with, like, one one set was a filmmaker trying to do, improve upon... Did I hear a cow? That was my, that was my mom blowing her nose. It sounded... I'm, I didn't mean to... No. It, it, it sounded like a moo. I'm so sorry. I feel... I feel so shitty. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna I'm so sorry that's the vibration hey mom are you okay is your nose stuffy Joey just said is there a cow in here and I said no it's just it's just my mom blowing her nose <laughs> I thought somebody was watching like Green oh, Acres. There was a loud. She just did it again. <laughs> <I did. laughs> Mom, are you okay? I love you. You're sick. Go to the doctor. <laughs> well, just keep blowing your nose. Then go to the doctor. Love you. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Let me. I'm sorry. That was just really funny. Uh, 
it was. But <laughs> is that anyway, a, can um, we I mean, keep some portion of that? We can. We, okay. we can. Yes. Um, of course. Um, no, but the Ten Commandments <laughs> was made in the fifties by by the filmmaker of filmmakers. Yes. At that point, mm-hmm. you know, he was he won an Oscar, but he wanted to make the movie he wanted to make. He wanted to make the definitive adaptation of the Moses story of the Exodus story. And he did. Yes. Whether you love that version or not, that is the version that many general audiences have come to know and love over the last almost 70 years of its existence. And then in the nineties, they make this movie. And again, emphasize in the nineties. Yes. They make this new version, which is again, heavily inspired by the 10 commandments. So it feel it, it almost it has an entirely different vibe than the the first movie does and it's yeah. it's, it's 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 wild but it it makes sense from a just a time point time framing standpoint like right yeah. i mean uh, yeah um and is this a story that's going to get adapted again i don't know i mean we didn't like, see I mean, probably- ridley scott doing it <laughs> I've never seen that version, but I haven't heard good things, so I'm not going to watch it. It's it's not it's, it, it's not very good. Um, it's got Christian listen, Bale. Just keep you. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. T- oof, tell me this at least, great. not to harp on it too much, but like, how was the Red Sea moment? Was that at least cool? I forget. <laughs> oh, that's not good then. <laughs> listen, but listen, but it's also again hard to compare because. Like, you're talking about, like, the Ten Commandments, right? And you talk about the Red Sea. That's like that movie's Empire State Building sequence yeah. in King Kong. And whatever version you do is going to have to do that. answer to, live up to, or try to emulate or not emulate that scene. Yeah. You know? So it's a tricky, it's a hard act to follow. So Cecil B. Mill, wherever you are. You made a pretty great movie, in my opinion, that uh, still is, is as messy as it is, still impressive. I thought it was pretty. Um, it's, it's a pretty yeah. movie. But also, the people who made The Prince of Egypt, I admire the work that went into this. Yeah. This is an extremely well-made, well-directed movie. This is not this is not a careless, like, thoughtless thing. Um it, it, it was just, I think it's only uh, partly is the circumstances that we watched these movies. <laughs> it, I, I think that's a massive factor in it, but also, and I know you brought this up a little bit as well. Uh, the, uh, like, there's something to admire about just old fashioned 2d animation. I I'm all for like evolving yep. and moving forward and, you know, being progressive. But like when it comes to animation, like I do miss me some good old, like, especially like, Especially two two D animation with money behind it, you know, like because a lot of a lot of two D animation these days is like you know television shows, which are some really well animated television shows. Like I think of, remember when HBO Max launched and they did that Looney Tunes cartoon, that the yeah. animation in that yeah. was astounding, like some of the best animation I've seen in anything in such a long time. And I think I think it's obviously uh, you know for with a lower budget you could still do a lot of great animation, but I would I would love to see like a big budget animated film, but like with traditional 2d animation attached to it, just to see what that could be like again. I know they're sort of like kind of melding the two now, like at DreamWorks, they're melding the two um, because that was like the big inspiration from spider verse. And I love, I-, I genuinely think that's a great approach. Um, and it sort of brings back that, that old, that older feeling keep within keeping the newer feeling and almost gives you like a whole new experience. 
but I would like I would like to see uh, sort of come back to that a little bit. So I think that could be really cool. And you know what? I would love to see like an epic toll yeah. in like a two D two D animated form. Like not have it be like a strictly kids movie. Have it be like big, like a PG thirteen kind of like big, broad, like epic mm. story. You know, you know, you know um, what I'm hoping. Um, so we have that new Ninja Turtles movie coming out, which I'm actually really excited about. Yeah. Um, yeah. that is sort of, I think implementing a similar, similar style to like the, uh, 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 Spider-Verse thing. And, um, my hope is that because we're starting to see this as like a trend with a lot of different companies, not just like the same people over and over. My hope is that if that if that movie is is as successful as Spider Verse was, then maybe um, they'll we're gonna start to see a lot more you know maybe some comic book movies that wouldn't normally get adapted, maybe see more animated stuff. Because I think I think that could be really cool. Could be really cool, um, folks. Folks, thank you for putting up with us uh, for this length of time. Specifically, putting up with. Moi, um, <laughs> and me just being myself <laughs> you know uh what is your favorite what is your favorite bible story brought to the screen if you have one you don't have to have one but if you do what is it let us let us you know let us know listen um, you know, like I, like for yeah yeah no i was, I was you go ahead <laughs> I, I, did, um, I thought maybe you, you know. were giving me a turn so i was like okay <laughs> listen you can check us out facebook twitter Instagram, we each have Letterbox. You can have check out our YouTube channel, um, check out our older older episodes. If you celebrate Passover or Easter, we hope you enjoy those holidays. Safe, safe, um, good time. The full extent. Safe, good times, and remember, folks, I am that I am. Or as um, another person would say, uh, I, I, I am that that I am the president of the United States of America. <laughs> Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> hey, Hillary, pop down now. Listen, watch these films. <laughs> Check us out next time. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout out as always to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And of course, stay tuned for a brand new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. So this is the point of the podcast where I'm still recording and I'm not actually talking to Joey. And um, this is going to be interesting. Uh, we'll see if this stays in. So he's he's doing the thinker. He's thinking. Um, okay, Joey's messaging me now. Um, he's telling me to stop recording. I don't know if I'm going to, uh, um, but I'll I'll stop anyway just to just to help him. So I'm stopping right now.